Welcome everyone to Comics from the Multiverse episode 231. I am Peter and joining me as always is Matt. Hey, bang bang. Connor's not here. No. Commiserations. World's smallest violin playing just, just or, for him. Or for some people, <laughs> celebrations. <laughs> Confetti. Trombones. Everyone celebrate. And uh, no, he's waiting his new computer. It should be back probably... If not the end of the month, then early next month. So, uh, look forward to his, uh, let's be honest, mediocre return. That's not going to be anything more than that. Uh, but this is our DC Comics podcast. We talk about DC Comics every week. And today's show, we'll be looking at Dark Knight's Death Metal, The Last Stories of the DC Universe, Issue 1, uh, Endless Winter Part 2, which is The Flash 767, and then Part 3, which is Superman Endless Winter Special, Issue 1. And we also have Wonder Woman 768, Oh, no, we don't have that. No, because you didn't read that. <laughs> uh, we have nope. Batman Black and White issue one. So we get five simple books, although uh, obviously that first one is a big 80-page mammoth with lots of things in it, so we'll be talking about mm-hmm. that. Uh, so, interesting mix of stuff. we got a bit of news as well. Uh, some more March creative teams. Uh, one of which dropped like an hour after we recorded last week. Yeah. I saw it on Twitter and I was like, oh, god damn it. Why is news dropping it always, now? It always happens, right? Yeah, like... it's super right. And to, to be honest, I don't remember which ones we talked about last week, so I'll, I'll sum up the entire list of new yeah. book creators at the end of this, but uh, the one that did drop at the end of the the show last week that we, did, we just missed was the new Wonder Woman creative team, which I'm a little disappointed that Tamaki's run is, is ending. Mm-hmm. Uh, prematurely, uh, it's it's not that it's been amazing. It's it's been solid and fun to read. It just seems like since Rucka, no one's been able to have like a long run except Orlando, which we didn't read. Yeah, Wilson's you know? was a, Wilson's was a bit longer, and it had like maybe three mm-hmm. arcs. Uh, yeah, and that's probably been but the when best. You're double one. shipping. That's still not very long. Yeah, but that's probably been the best one since Rucka. Uh, yeah. I think Tamaki's has been a fun. So I've actually got a lot of nice things to say about this week's issue, so mm-hmm. we'll get to that uh, a little bit later. But uh, I, I do kind of, I hope that, I mean, so the new team is Becky Clunan, uh, at least the artist starting with uh, uh, Michael W. Conrad uh, and Travis Moore. I, I Now, I, I'm not necessarily as high on Becky Clunan at a glance. You know, G. Willow Wilson and Mariko Tamaki were both names that were kind of my, my picks for Wonder Woman. Um, and neither one got to go on to have like a huge long run that I was kind of hoping for. I do hope that if Becky Clunan is run as good, I hope it does actually end up being a run and isn't just a couple of arcs, which it seems to be a bit of a trend recently for some reason with a lot of these books. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's starting in March with Wonder Woman issue 770. Uh, so there you go. That's that. So that's the new team there. Um, I mean, how do you feel about Clunan? Do you have a particular... Outside of her work with Snyder during Batman, mm-hmm. uh, where she was an artist, I don't... I just had to pull her up to see what, what she's worked on, which is nothing really that I've read. But I think, okay, so she worked on Conan over at Dark Horse, which I think I remember hearing good things about. Oh, she did an arc on Northlanders. I'll have to check that out. So I have okay. the whole series sitting back there. Um, I don't know if this is art or writing. So, but yeah, so far I'm going through stuff and there's not a lot yeah I'm... that I'm familiar with. So, uh, cool. I mean, I'll, I'll probably check it out, but being that we're in this new frontier of, of comics, it might not be an insta-pull. 
anymore, like like it has been from Rebirth. Well, I mean, I think it, I think it's an insta try. You know, whenever it's a new team on Wonder well, Woman. Well, yeah, that's what yeah. I mean. But there's certain books that I had like slated up, like Batman. Like, yeah, I'll probably always keep reading Batman. But you know, and Wonder Woman had finally achieved that for me. It just now where you know I have to start making better decisions. Uh-huh. <laughs> that it might just I shouldn't say better. You know, I have to start being more definitive in my decisions. Yeah, uh, I mean, obviously, yeah. yeah, we'll give it a try. Um, I mean, I, I don't have a bad opinion of Becky Clooney. I just, I don't no. think I've read anything from her beyond the, the odd short here that's in an anthology or the odd mm-hmm. thing there. I've not really read any proper arcs or runs written by Becky Clooney, so uh, I don't have a strong op- opinions in that sense. But hopefully, hopefully it works out. I will say the image that went out with this does have all of the... You know, all you know has Dawn on, it has Cassie on, it has a new Wonder Woman on it. You know, it's, it's got uh, the, the whole shebang. Liar, liar's still there, so it's nice that some of the stuff that's going on just mm-hmm. now is seemingly sticking around in continuity. Yeah, definitely, that's cool. Or, or I guess more, or more maybe more accurately, in some relevance, because uh, you know, it's one thing to be in continuity; it's another thing to actually be, you know, relevant. Because <laughs> yeah. a lot of things aren't relevant, even if they are technically in continuity. Uh, so that's the Wonder Woman team. Uh, there was new teams for Harley Quinn, which is a new book because obviously the, the previous mm-hmm. run ended, the previous series ended a while ago. Uh, it's worth mentioning. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but we also got a new team for Batman Superman, which that surprised me actually. I, I did not expect mm-hmm. that to get a change. I, I I just kind of assumed that the book would end whenever Williamson's run ended. Mm-hmm. I, I just assumed it would be done then. Yeah. Uh, because it was a fairly yeah, fairly standalone rompy little book. I didn't necessarily think, but I guess it's selling well enough given uh, yeah. what it uh, is. You want to tell people who's on the Harley Quinn book? Oh, it's everyone's favorite. Uh, you got Stephanie Phillips writing, who I'm uh-huh. not familiar with. Uh, Art by Riley Rosmo, so Connor is pumped. Yeah. As someone that's, that's you know, taken a liking to Harley in the last year or so, mm-hmm. the Rosmo announcement on Art was really a bummer. <laughs> Because that's going to keep me away more than anything. Yeah, I I feel like Harley's a character that has also grown on me, but her ongoing book, I think, is going to consistently be something that's not for me. I think when she pops up in a Black Label book, when she pops up uh, in Batman or whatever, like she's really grown me in those capacities when they can do something darker with her. But her mm-hmm. fun, wacky, Deadpool-esque ongoing book, I don't think is probably ever going to appeal to me. I could be wrong. I could be proven wrong. Yeah. But. I mean, that that's fair. But again, for me... Art's a big hurdle, and if I don't like the artist particularly, mm-hmm. I mean their work, I should say, then it's going to be hard for me to really enjoy the book. So, yeah. Um, that was a bummer. Yeah. Uh, interestingly, the writer taking over of Batman Superman with issue 16 in March is uh, Gene Lun Yang, so this is where he's ending up yeah. on something. As, so, uh, uh, As I made the decision, like, I need to read less stuff. And I was like, oh, I could, you know, no more Williamson on Batman Superman. That That's fine. Oh, wait, Yang? I like Yang a lot. So, well, we'll see how that goes. Yeah, you know, new creative teams, you'll get a chance at least. I I, I feel like uh, Williamson's been doing good stuff on that book. The last arc wasn't as good, but it's typically been a very good little rompy, you know, inconsequential mm-hmm. but fun to read series of adventures. Yeah. Uh, you know, so... Yeah, I feel like Yang is kind of the perfect person to continue that if if they're mm-hmm. going to keep going with it. So we'll see. 
Uh, also, it would be nice to see him uh, write Superman that's not the, the t-shirt and jeans. News- well, yeah, and not new Superman, although I would hope that Keenan shows up. Oh, I mean, hell, I, I wouldn't mind him going back. If they gave him a new new Superman book, uh, mm-hmm. you know, whatever they want to call it, Justice League of China, uh, yeah. I, I'd be down for it. I really like that book. So, <laughs> All right. So because neither of us really knew much about Stephanie Phillips, uh-huh. I, I pulled her up. Um, I guess she's done the um, more graphic novels. Um, so I don't know if that's like the the like the kids kind of focus stuff. Mm-hmm. But you know, graphic novels such as Harley Quinn, Superman, Tanara, The Butcher of Paris, which is something I wanted to read, and then just didn't. I can't see anything that I haven't had time for. Uh, but it also says she has a PhD um, from the University of South Florida in rhetoric and composition. Uh, <laughs> so that that's pretty cool. But also, she's a Muay Thai fighter and hockey player. So, uh, damn you, Rosmo. Because uh, this artist or this this writer seems like the type of person that should be writing Harley Quinn. Uh, it seems like the type of person that Matt would leave his wife for, to be honest, given that description. Uh, let's not go that far. Because <laughs> uh, she, she also likes cats, old westerns, and macaroni and cheese shaped like cartoons. Uh, you know, almost there. Uh, that's wrong with cats. How do you shut your mouth? But I just, I, I don't know of too many combo creators that do have an actual PhD in rhetoric and composition. <laughs> like. Uh, let alone that also does Muay Thai and plays hockey. Like, come on now. Um, so, yeah, that, that's a bit bummer. I, I still wish I knew more uh, of the books that she wrote, although I might check out Butcher Paris now. I might see if that's in trade mm. by now. Next time I go into my shop, maybe check that out. But, yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. Even if you end up discovering you really like this this writer, yeah. Stephanie Phillips, you're still saddled with yeah. Rosmo Art. Oh yeah, but it just it'll you know if I you know if I have mm. to be much more sad, being like, oh, what am I missing out on? Or it's like, oh okay, this is fine. I am not <laughs> missing out on too much, you know. Matt, looking for reasons to be more sad. <laughs> not more sad, just trying to manage. Because again, if I had the time, I'd read everything, right? Like, of uh, course. So I wouldn't. So, yeah, of course not. You're not even watching The Mandalorian, which is fantastic. So not. Yeah, and they announced like seven new Star Wars shows this week. Yeah. I, I don't have time for all that shit. No, I for for all the excitement uh, that was going on on what day was that? Thursday? Thursday? Yeah, Thursday. Yeah. I, I think anytime I popped onto Twitter, Pete was talking about video game stuff because concurrently video game announcements were being made. Yeah, the awards were on, so, so there was announcements there at the same time yeah. as Disney's investor call. So so as we're sharing, you know, Marvel trailers or Star Wars news, Pete's over there, like some Mass Effect thing. Yeah. Sharing. So, so yeah. Um, sure. What, what, what's some of these other teams that we didn't discuss yet? All right. So that was Harley and Batman Superman. Uh, we did mention Suicide Squad and Swamp Thing, I believe, last week. Uh-huh. Um, but there was one minor update to this, is that the Swamp Thing book is not an ongoing. It is a 10-issue limited series. Oh. So, well, I'd love that to be an ongoing. I'm also not mad that it gets 10 issues. Like, I, I think, you know, Ram V, Mike Perkins, it means that Mike Perkins is probably going to be the artist for all 10 issues then, Yep. I would expect. So, that sounds good. Sounds yep. good. Um, yeah. Uh, and they also gave us a little bit of a description for uh, for Suicide Squad. So I'll read that as well. This is Robbie Thompson, Suicide Squad, that he's doing with Eduardo Pansica. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Peacemaker's taking center stage as the leader of Task Force X. A bit of movie synergy there, if you ask me. Uh, the series starts off with a bang as Waller sends Peacemaker and Task Force X to recruit its next member, Talon, uh, the master mm. assassin of the Court of Owls, which is DC's description. Meanwhile, she has her own hands full as she tries to recruit Superboy? Not a fan of that. <laughs> well, first of all, which Superboy? <laughs> There's two right, of them. Yeah, either way, my statement still stands. Mm. I mean, I don't imagine she'll be super successful. Uh, no. But we'll see. We'll see. Uh, so that's uh, an interesting caveat. Please don't make the Red Hood of Superman. Let's not do that, please. Oh, he so is as well. No, he is not. He's got a not temper. He's the Red Hood. He's the Red Hood of Superman. <laughs> How dare you. He's even died and came back. Yeah. <laughs> Shh. Shh. <laughs> oh, I love it. Uh, and we talked about Teen Titans Academy and Green Lantern last week, I, I, if yes. I recall correctly. Um, so yeah, and we need to update on that. And then we talked about Detective last week. So I think that was everything. I'll just confirm this completely last because I posted it on Twitter via the DC Comics Podcast Twitter. That's at DC Comics Podcast to follow us on Twitter if you want to do that. Uh, but I did post a full list just so to confirm all these and just sort of recap them as well. Just here's everything in just black and white. Detective Comics from Mark Chon will be Marika Tamaki and Dan Mora. At least starting. Obviously, it's double shipping, so the artist is probably going to rotate around. Uh, Harley Quinn, Stephanie Phillips, and Riley Rosmo. Batman, Superman, Jean Luen Yang with Ivan Reese to start off with. Wonder Woman, Becky Cleaning with uh, Michael W. Conrad. Uh, and then we have Green Lantern, which is Jeffrey Thorne with Tom Rainey. Justice League Dark, which is just continuing with Ram V and Zermanico. Teen Titans Academy, which is Tim Sheridan with Rafa Sandoval. And the 10 issues limited series of Swamp Thing, which is Ram V and Mike Perkins. So that's what we've got so far. We're still waiting on who the new Flash writer is going to be, because obviously that, that's mm-hmm. waiting for a new run, a new team. So yep. we'll see, because it was just had that pretty bad fill-in arc over the last couple months. Yeah, I hate to hear that. Yeah. Uh, it, it didn't... Like, the first issue was kind of crazy, but then it was like, as it went on, I was kind of wishing I hadn't committed to reading. But it was like, <laughs> oh, there's only one left. I might as well read the last one. And I was like... I shouldn't have read the last one. I should have just... Oh, boy. I should have opted out. But hey-ho. That's what it is. Uh, so, there you go. That that, is, that was all the, the team news. But one bit of news that came out here uh, is that they revealed the identity of the new Batman that's going to be popping oh. up in Future State. Uh, and I think everyone was expecting Luke Fox. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's not Luke Fox. Oh, no. His name is Tim. Okay. Tim Fox. <laughs> yeah. Uh... I, I was pausing there because I, I was hoping you would get excited you think it was Tim Drake. <laughs> no, no, no. Cause, um, huge, huge discrepancy in uh, Fox and Tim Drake. Like, Oh, sure. And, you know, and from the art that I've seen, it does not. Look like unless they're going. Oh, completely I, I, different I wasn't pictures. sure you'd seen this, Matt. So yeah. I was, I was yes. trying to toy with your emotions a little bit. Uh, yeah. So this is uh, Luke's brother, of course. Uh, who who's going to be the the new Batman? Uh, the art looks quite good, though. Okay, in the suit, he looks quite good. No cowl on, so we can see his face. But uh, right, I don't know. Seems, I don't know. I have no idea what's going on with this future state. So maybe it's so far ahead that you they had to go younger. Because if I remember right, I'm trying to remember his family that was in that that um, yeah, the, the Batman the, 100. Yeah, the short, yeah. yeah. Um, 
I don't remember, but when we went through the solicits, when me and Carl went through the solicits for Future State, it did specify the uh, the year that all the Gotham stuff was taking mm-hmm. place in, and it, it wasn't super far. I don't think it, it was, but it, it was because it was all the things that were much further. But I think it was like twenty twenty seven or twenty thirty or something like that. It, it was in the, in the nearish future, but a bit further ahead. So I, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, then again, what's the point of even dealing with the years in comic books, given that they have to condense the timeline every few years so that no, people age too just, much? When it's called future state, you know, you know you're dealing with the future, just how far in the future. I mean, we're seeing, you know, a grown-up uh, John acting yeah. as Superman. So we know we're further enough as far as Superman's concerned, but is that, you know, yeah. and you would assume all the Justice League are interacting with one another. Um, yeah, it's worth mentioning that this is not actually a new character. I mean, it mentions here on the Newsarama article that he was introduced in 1979's Batman 313 uh, by Len Wein and uh, Novick, which is interesting, but it's a very... Sp- I mean, they, they, they do say here that it's a very sparse appearance, especially in recent years, because, I mean, I right. couldn't have named you this character. If you'd asked me, yeah. like, oh, name the other Fox children... I'd be like, wait, there's other ones? <laughs> like, that's my yeah, response. Yeah, <laughs> I, I know there's there's Luke and there's the, the daughter. Yes. It's Tam, right? That's, that sounds um, right. I don't know. But, yeah. Uh, but, I mean, hey, I mean, maybe this is the reason, maybe that's the reason why they're using this character. Maybe that's the reason why Ridley wants to work with this character so it's more of a blank yeah. slate and can do what he wants with them, basically. Uh, so, yeah, uh, definitely worth mentioning. And uh, so we'll we'll get to this in Bat, uh, yeah, the next Batman, which is part of Future State. Future State. So there you go. So that is the uh, the news stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, just before we get out of the books, there since we brought up the Disney Investor thing, I'll just. Uh, but what was your what was your favorite thing from the the, the um, announcements? The, from so I mean, there's a lot of cool Marvel MCU stuff. The Falcon and Winter Soldier looks exactly my kind of thing. So I'm excited for that. Uh, and then on the, on the Star Wars side, Patty Jenkins doing a Rogue Squadron movie that, you know, is going to be just the piloting aspect. So essentially Top Gun meets Star Wars. Um, I'm super stoked, which her her little announcement talking about her her father, who, who was in the Air Force and died in the line of duty, led me to, to look her up her history and... She's had a very, uh, like, I don't want to say strange. It's not strange, but a very different upbringing to become a director. You know, just mm. it's, it's real cool. And it's real cool that she can actually work that in. And I'm sitting here going, like, D- Warners, you had someone that could have made a Green Lantern thing. Like, right there. So, yeah, I don't I don't know. Yeah, I'm um, not looking for competence for Warners, uh yeah, it's and, and right as now. much of a DC guy I am when it comes to comics, I am very much you know MCU and 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 Star Wars in general. So there's a lot there, and I just it always burns me. Like I I went and saw a friend for the first time in forever, and it was all safe, you know. Still, despite being at his house, socially distant and whatnot. But we watched the portal scene from Endgame, and it just upsets me that we don't have anything close to that for warners well i've been laughing actually this week because all all these announcements for spider-man 3 Mm -hmm. where they're bringing back Mm -hmm. the other spider-man actors the villains from those other movies and they're doing some sort of multiverse shenanigans i started laughing because they've been they've been talking about this next flash movie essentially doing that for all the different batman and stuff like that yeah 
and it's occurred to me that they're probably this Spider-Man three is probably going to sneak out in front, and because this was maybe the one thing that they could do that oh Marvel's not done this, we can we can do this mm-hmm. and connect all these old versions of things, but they're going to sneak in and and take it from. <laughs> but it's, yeah, anyway, that's what it is. I, yeah, uh, I didn't really talk about that. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest, I was pretty cynical during all these announcements. Not so much. I mean, I don't like Star Wars, so seeing like seven mm-hmm. Star Wars shows announced is mm-hmm. just kind of like eye rolling, but. Uh, not so much Marvel, even though I do think, like, they announced a lot. Like, they announced, like, four new Disney Plus shows. The uh, Armor yeah. Wars, Secret Invasion, mm-hmm. Ironheart, like, a bunch of stuff. Uh, although I do like that Tim Ross coming back for She-Hulk. I like that that Incredible Hulk movie is becoming more connected again. I, yeah, and, but, and they're bringing in Ruffalo as well. Of course, which yeah. Which is cool. Um, but I was, I was feeling... Because Disney, like, okay, I get that Star Wars and Marvel are going to continually be mm-hmm. milked because they're these ongoing things that they're going to keep making but you look at the rest of their output that they announced and they've got sister act three hocus pocus two turner and a hooch spin-off tv show yeah. uh three men a baby reboot uh the light year the, the toy story prequel a spin-off show for zootopia a spin-off show for cars mm-hmm. and it's just like could you please do something that isn't a sequel a reboot a remake or a prequel please yeah that said, their approach to Lightyear, I kind of like. It's it's the, basically with the movie that inspired the toy, right? So it's really not a prequel per se, but it's the, the Buzz Lightyear IP, if you will. It's so, not, this is not a critique of any one of them individually. It's more about yeah. them all existing. No, I, I get you with, yeah. with the rest of them. I was just blown away about the Lightyear one. That's something I never thought in a million years, you know. Um, and especially if Chris Evans attached. Like that that's completely crazy. I mean, but then they didn't um they did bring up their their next couple slate of animated films that seem all pretty original, which I'm excited no, for. I, I said that when I was doing the TV news. I did a solo mm-hmm. TV news just to do, which ended up being almost yeah. two hours long because there was so much goddamn stuff. Yeah. Uh but I talked about how Pixar and Disney Animated they seem more fifty fifty, where they had some original mm-hmm. things and they had some non original things. But mm-hmm. all of the live action movies and TV shows were all spin offs, sequels, prequels, mm-hmm. with the exception for bizarrely, there was like four seemingly kind of original things, but they were all true stories, all based on sports like yeah. people. For some for some reason they've got a whole section dedicated to athletes that they're making or yeah. coaches that they're making T V shows about. So I guess cool. Clever. Sure. I they that's a lot of ESPN plus stuff too that I I don't care about. Um so I, I probably just skimmed over those things in the area being plus. Uh, the new Mighty Ducks show, I'm pretty excited for. Just because I didn't realize they were getting Emilio Estevez. So it, sh- it should be... Uh, that's pretty cool. It shouldn't be him, it should be Jackson. It should be Joshua Jackson. It, it should be, and then maybe they, they got a, a thing up their sleeve. You know, I, I don't know. Maybe. But, um, so I saw that trailer yesterday. So that's pretty cool. But no... Um, yeah, just seeing the, and then you look over at Warner's and there's not a hell of a lot. And <laughs> well, no, the Snyder cut there, there, there is one big thing: they're pissing off every director in Hollywood yeah. by putting their movies on HBO Max day one yeah, next year, which so we, we'll we kind of knew was we kind of knew was going to piss off people. Um, but you got to do what you got to do, right? Like, especially with me, none of my theaters are open, and all the ones that I could go to are, are kind of far away. Th- so, you know. If it's safe, given the the chance, yes, I'll see these in the theater. I like the theater experience, but what are you going to make it super insular and just make it, you know, like 
I read this really interesting article that that was basically bringing up there was a law that kind of got quietly rescinded that made the old studio system illegal in that the the theaters couldn't own be owned by the production companies mm. by the studios and this has quietly started kind of to go away and that some people are kind of floating like oh you know Disney could buy a theater and Warner's could buy a theater and then they would only show their movies at that theater and it would go back to that old way oh jeez but the whole yeah and the whole idea that was making you know monopolies it, it, and that this this it, law was put into place back in I think the 50s You'd have to, to you'd have to have like the that out. the five or six major theaters like chains all near you to be able to see every movie. That'd yeah. be insane. Well, and that's and that's kind of what it feels like right now. That if like, and I get the directors and stuff pushing back because they don't necessarily create film. I mean, I'm sure there's a money aspect to it, right? But they also don't um, create films to just be watched on yeah. at home in the TV. You know, they want it to be seen properly. Um, it's, not it's, even, like it's, not, it's not just the filmmakers seen. though it's just the yeah. like a uh, legendary apparently really upset with Warner yeah. Brothers because they actually right. yeah, I mean they, they paid for the majority of some of these big movies that right. are coming out in. Well, and, that, and that's why I talk about the financial side of it I fully get that they have a lot sunken in then you're not going to make as much on you know HBO Max as you will in the theater legendary were offered or well, legendary slash Warner Brothers were offered like 200 and something million for Godzilla vs. King Kong and Legendary wanted to take it. They were like, yeah, yeah, let's just break even on this yeah. right now and put it on Netflix. Uh, and Warner Brothers said no. And now they're putting it on HBO Max. And I don't know right. what Legendary make from that or you know, what sort of profit I margin they get from that. Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah but, uh, but I was a, I was a, blah, blah, blah. as I was going to say, the idea of watching King Kong versus Godzilla at home isn't the same as going to the theater. Like, I want to see that mm. in the theater with the, the sound and, and all that. Like, Especially like an Atmos theater, like like I saw the first Kong Skull Island, like come on, um, or even something like Dune, which I'm not that excited for, but I can't imagine watching that for the first time on my TV, you know. So I hope they get it all figured out. I hope once start stuff starts, you know, maybe a vaccine gets you know propagated and you can be safe going out in, in theaters again. Because just the whole idea of being in a closed-off room with strangers, uh, it just gives me the creeps <laughs> at this point. <laughs> and not the creeps because of the people, just because of, you know, like, all this stuff, especially right now. So, mm. uh, and man, I miss my theaters. I miss, like, I haven't stepped foot in my home theater since March. And, like, I miss it. Uh, you know, the, I, I, the I, actually, I have... One exception, because I did go to see Tina in right. what, August, September, whatever that was. Yeah, whenever that came out. Uh, and it was kind of surreal. It was a surreal experience going at that time. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, other than that, yeah, the last time was, like I think, late February. I, I think that, I'm glad I went to see Tina, because if movie theaters don't come back, if they're done, because everything goes streaming yeah. and they never recover, yeah. I'm glad that I went to see Tina, because otherwise the last movie I ever saw in theaters would have been Brahms the Boy too. So, <laughs> Tim was thwarted. <laughs> so I'm very. Yeah. I saw so it's funny. Is Christopher Nolan was at the Game Awards? He was brought. He, I mean, they were all just on screen because you know it's 2020. Yeah. But he was there to present Game of the Year. It was just the big award. That's the big one at the end. And 
it was so surreal because he, he comes on and he's like, you know, I'm Christopher Nolan and I love to make, you know, thoughtful films, breathtaking, this, blah, blah, blah. And it says, and video games seem interesting. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, that's not exactly what he said, but that's the way it came off. He was like, that's oh. the line. Yeah. Um, you know, video games are you're pushing storytelling in these interesting, different ways. That I mean, I get, I, I did genuinely feel like he appreciates that that it's a different medium that's doing other things. But at the same yeah. time, you could kind of tell that he doesn't really know much about them. He's just kind of saying the nice things. But uh, that was weird. That was that was all weird. Yeah, weird move by him. But yeah, so like, yeah, I, I would love to go to the theater, but I understand. Like, I I know people making plans to go see Wonder Woman in the theater. I'm like, ah. Eh. I'm just gonna stay home on Christmas and, and watch it from the comfort of my house, you know. Yeah, like, yeah. So, I leave the But I also understand if, if you don't have HBO Max because you are in a place where it's not. I understand being a little bit upset and having to seek it out elsewhere. You know, I don't know how it's gonna work in other countries that don't have HBO Max. You know, uh, I I would recommend to anyone in a country without HBO Max to yeah. look into VPNs. They are very yeah, useful things. Um. But yeah, yeah, especially when it's like a deal that's really bad because you know apparently some of the the solutions are going to be it's a premium rental in countries that don't have HBO Max, so it's going to be like a you know a thirty dollar rental or something like that, which is like ah come on. It's weird though because I'll gladly spend thirty dollars for me and my wife to go see a movie at the theater, mm. and then you end up spending more because you know popcorn and soda. Right. But the idea of spending $30 to watch it on my own TV, it's just there's a disconnect there that I can't explain. Like, yeah. I mean, I, I've literally not spent a penny on concessions at a movie theater in like over a decade, but. Uh, yeah, you know. no, I can't get my popcorn, man. <laughs> I love it. I, I just, I, I don't need it. I don't need it. Uh, the most I'll do is I'll, I'll, I'll take in something from elsewhere yeah. I, I, my theater did you know get a little bit more loose uh, about bringing in water right so if i didn't want a soda as long as i had an unopened bottle of water they didn't seem to care too much so but that said you get in there get the the popcorn smell wafting in you know uh sneak in your own candies if, if you want you know but yeah so i do miss it so just the the idea of going is there like i hope Stuff is better by March, April, when Kong was supposed to come out, um, or May. I can't keep track anymore, but you know it's still a long time away. A lot can happen in between now and then. Yeah, it was either March before or it's March now yeah. after it got pushed a year. I can't remember which 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 yeah, time it was May, which time it was when. March. Yeah, I can't keep things straight anymore. So, so hey, uh, all right, well. Let's talk about comics then. Uh, mm -hmm. Let's talk about comics. Dark Knight's Death Metal, the last stories of the DC Universe, issue one. A bunch of stories in here, a bunch of creators. We'll, we'll mention them as we go through. Uh, so th this is very much set right where we are in Death Metal, which is we're about to head into the final battle, which is the last couple issues of, of Death Metal. Uh, we're getting one this, in. <laughs> this month, yes, and one in January, mm -hmm. which wraps things up. So... And there's a big focus on the Titans here, as well as other characters. Uh, the first story is also the last story. It's like a wraparound called uh, Together, uh, which is by Joshua Wilmson, James Tyan IV, and Scott Snyder, uh, with Travis Moore on art. So we'll kind of mention the first half of this now, and we'll sort of go through an order and come back to it when uh, okay. we, we wrap up. 
but it focuses mainly on Donna, uh, and she's mm-hmm. on the island formerly known as Themyscira, uh, mm-hmm. and she's interacting with Beast Boy and talking about their worries and about the doom of, like, you know, this could be the last night on Earth. But there's kind of a feel-good moment when she realizes that all the titans of different generations, not every single member, because some are dead, <laughs> and so on, mm-hmm. but uh, even the, the the weird new team that Damien's got, which they do kind of crack a joke about, about them yeah. counting as titans. It's like, don't, right. yeah, everyone counts, don't be mean. It's like, eh. <laughs> I mean, but if they're, they're also counting Ray Palmer and Kyle Rayner. From, yeah, from Titans, yeah, sure. I mean, yeah, I yeah, yeah. I appreciated that because I did enjoy that Titans book, and I like Kyle being there. So yeah, you know. That, that, well, he was even on. I think we discussed this back when we were reading Titans. That he was when he was first introduced. He was on a Titans team at one point. Oh sure, um, yeah. Some weird fill in in between Titans Young Justice. Like there's a two page uh, spread or layout where it mm-hmm. sort of puts all the different versions of the teams and panels. I thought it was going backwards through time, but that can't be true because Jeff Johns' Teen Titans comes before the New 52 Teen Titans. So clearly it's mm-hmm. not exactly in order, but it's it's kind of going back in time for the most. The New Teen Titans is there. You turn the page and, of course, you get the original five with two of them grayed out. One yeah. because he's dead, that being Roy, and one being Wally, who's obviously uh, doing all the metal size. things. Yes, and disposed. Uh, until later. Um, well, yeah, because this, it, yeah, it's not really going backwards through time, but it kind of was. It's like someone messed up. Yeah, it's kind of like they just they accidentally swapped two of them. Yeah, uh, and that's that's it. I mean, admittedly, I don't really know much about the the third team there. I'm not familiar with that yeah. batch. That but... was that was the one that Ray Palmer was on because he got de-aged to teen years. Sure. Weird stuff that happened. I think that was post zero hour. Um, okay. Yeah, so it feels but, like they've just swapped yeah. Jeff Johns and... Because mm-hmm. it seems like... Because uh, after those two that are swapped around, uh, you got New Teen Titans, and then I assume that this team after New Teen yeah. Titans is kind of the later Silver Age, like, bigger yeah. group. Uh, so... Uh, mm-hmm. Or Bronze Age, maybe. Maybe a better term, but... Because you have the, you have the original uh, Hawk and Dove in there. You got... Mm-hmm. Um, looks like uh, Bumblebee and... The redheaded, uh, I think that's Woman. Yeah, Woman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, what's, but yeah, yeah, it was like, cool. His his art here, just the way that Moore is able to shift to the different kind of art styles of the time. Because mm-hmm. I mean, he even makes the Raven from New Fifty Two look decent, which is real tough because I hated that look. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I wasn't uh, a fan of. I mean, I read like one issue of that book and ran away for the hills. Yeah, no, I I read way more than I should have. So, um, but yeah, no, this was a really cool page. And in my physical copy, it got, I don't know, because of the binding, it kind of messed with the art a little bit. So on this mm. page, which is a big splash in the in the physical, the closer you get towards the crease, the less you can see. Dude, no, just, you know. I shit you not, one of the reasons why I even switched the single issues back when the New 52 started was because I was sick of two-page spreads having this weird problem in the middle of trades where, because, yeah. it's good, don't worry, no. if you got a nice hardcover with a sewn binding, it was solved, yeah. because it, it, would, right. it would pop up and present, like, flat, but mm-hmm. in a regular trade, which has got glued binding, you have this gutter that kind of loses a little yeah. bit in the middle, and it's... In, and it just, the fact that 
it covered up most of young Wally West right there. Oh, and, and, <laughs> and I was just like, oh man. And then you have to deal with it on the next page where he's grayed out. And I'm just like, is this a meta commentary from somebody <laughs> or what's, what's going on? Who's, who's butchering Moore's art? Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, so Dick leaves because Batman's called a meeting. So there's a little bit of synergy between the stories where mm-hmm. there's a little bit of continuity between the various ones. Uh, so Donna says, say hi to Babs for me. Uh, Before the fight starts. Which is neat. Uh, they address the yeah. fact that some of the, the vel- more villainous teens are there, uh, including Tara. Yeah, which I like. Deathstroke's team showing up, yeah. which was cool. Um, but the uh, the yeah. first part of this Titan story ends when, you know, there's a crack of lightning. Everyone's like, oh, what's that? And Wally's arrived, and Donna's looking at him uh, all angry. And obviously this comes back later. I have to confess something, though, here. Yeah. Later on, when it's, it's made clear the reason why she's looking at him angry and there's tension yeah. because he showed up is because she, of course, was kind of, you know, she had a, a, a relationship with Roy, and right. Wally killed Roy, and he was in crisis. Right. I have to confess that I have blanked that event from my mind so much that I had no idea why she was pissed at him until they mentioned it. You forgot why she's dead. <laughs> yeah, I had no idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah no. I mean, it's, it's pretty clear here, like, because when, when yeah, you know... Yeah, because of the art, yeah. A, it puts them together, and I was like, oh, man. Roy's <laughs> the only one not showing up. Ah, so, well, technically, we'll get well, to that. Yeah, well, that gets addressed. Um... But yeah, so seeing seeing Wally there, um, it's pretty pretty cool. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, his art here is fantastic. Like I don't I'm trying to think of the other Travis Moore stuff I might have seen. Um, I don't think it was an artist typically that I'm excited about, but it tends to no. be solid enough uh, in the right context. And here is definitely yeah. right context. Yeah, it's really really good. Yeah. Uh, the next story is a Green Lantern story called Last Nights, uh, spelled with a K, uh, mm-hmm. which is Jeff Lemire with Raphael Albuquerque art. So hell of a team <laughs> on this. Yeah. And this oh, is the story too. Yeah, this is Hal Jordan essentially like just, he just wants to fly uh, on his last night before this big fight, yeah. and he flies over the the, the air base, um, kind of reminisces about the the Silver Age and the old times, and he goes to the Valley of the Rainbow Rings, and it's all these rings that have fallen that have not got replacements. Uh, all these, all these rings, and Sinestro shows up, who's in yellow, which is notable because, of course, Sinestro gave up the the ultraviolet spectrum right. just in the last issue or two of the the main. Well, it wasn't the main, but it was the Justice League arc, but same difference. Um, yeah, it was it was the one with Nightwing as a barbarian. Yeah, yeah, because they they freed him from the. Yeah, and Sinestro, this case kind of implies that he wants you know something to be old times and how's it? Oh, you don't deserve it. Um. But, you know, he kind of turns around, he changes his mind. He's like, it's never too late for another chance, and I should have... All, for all people, I should know that. I mean, that's to be fair. Yes, Hal, you've done a lot of shady stuff. You've been various evil versions mm-hmm. of yourself over the years. Uh, so he says the oath, he becomes a Green Lantern once more, and the story ends with them flying off as a pair uh, to, to, you know, to feel hope and no fear and uh, all the rest of it, so... I, I really like this. When, when does Lemire get to be a... A green Lantern, Green Lantern writer. writer. Oh, yeah, I know. Because this was this was real cool. Because just the way that he name dropped the, the different characters and how they were handling their last days and stuff, I really liked. And then we got to the part where it's almost subtle what Sinestro wants. Like it, it took me a second to put together. Mm-hmm. You know, but Hal immediately picked up on it, which I thought was cool. 
Yeah, uh, this, this was this was a nice story that played upon the relationship and felt like it was harking back to an old time. And if this issue, the whole point of this issue is to kind of have characters be nostalgic before they go into this right. final fight. Uh, it works really well. My only critique, and it's, it feels weird to critique Albuquerque because, mm-hmm. of course, he's great. I don't, right. I don't think his Sinestro head or face is always that good. I mean, even his howl is kind of a little bit all over the place. Yeah, um, I, I think it was the first time you see Sinestro. You turn the page and he's standing yeah. there with the yellow suit on. His head yeah. just looked kind of weird. That it, it spoiled the moment a little bit for me because I was like, "Oh, Sinestro! Yeah. Oh, he looks a bit weird." <laughs> Yeah. So, you know. But then, then other pages, he looks fine. Like the next page over where he's looking yeah. down at the yellow ring. Well, when, when he know. says the green lantern oath and he's yeah. like standing yeah. with that, it looks great. So it's, it's yeah. not like a consistent problem, but there's some definitely some poses and angles where he looks a bit off. Yeah. Yeah, definitely not uh, Albuquerque's best work, you know, but still, mm-hmm. I think it's good enough here, you know. Yeah, I mean, um, it's not a huge complaint, but it is there. No. Uh, the next story is a Wonder Woman story uh, by Mariko Tamaki with Daniel Sampier on the art. I also this is one of the ones that left me feeling a bit cold. I wasn't super yeah. uh, into this. It, it seemed like I don't want to say all over the place, but it was like there's just a lot going on, and the the narration doesn't really connect through them. You know, like I, I understood what the point of the story was. And that, you know, that Wonder Woman has to take her weakness and make it a strength, right? Um, but yeah, and just the, the whole Donna from another Earth being down in that area, I yeah, thought the, was weird. Yeah, the weird pit from uh, yeah, Death Metal. From metal. Yeah, so it was just kind of disjointed. That's the word that I wanted to use. Um, it, it's one of those things where... Yeah, I, I, so sometimes you'll read like a, one of these shots. I mean, sometimes a whole issue, I suppose. But so you mm-hmm. read one of these shots, and I just feel the narration just feels like a, there's a lot to to read. That is, I don't feel like it's saying that much. And ultimately, I'm not entirely sure what I gained from this story. She kind of just comes back with the will to fight, but I don't necessarily feel like it mm-hmm. made any sort of great point, or I felt like oh, that that was the the beat that we're going for, or or, or whatever. Uh, it it kind of felt like a a nothing story i mean i mean sure yeah you got alternate donna talking about how her world fell and you've got her brief interaction with the riddler where the riddler's asking her you know that she's that riddle didn't make any sense <laughs> you know and i get riddles are hard to write um but like let me go back to it real quick just because it was oh please what do you call a, a creature whose greatest strength is their weakness Someone who can never win and never lose. Someone who must fight for justice but bring the end of justice. And Di- and Diana goes, I give up. A Wonder Woman. Okay, I guess that's a stretch, though. You know? Yeah, it didn't, it just, li- didn't land for me. It didn't land. Yeah. I- the art, though. Sampir's art, I think, oh, is sure. fantastic. Yeah, like, it looks... That battle-worn Donna... Just with, you can see the scars on her, and just like she looks weary, and, and then you go to the next page, and it's Diana remembering, you know, as the events have happened that led her, you know, to becoming this warden. Uh, Matt, uh, I just think reset your mic for me, will you? Gotcha. It's not quite the usual thing, but there was a little bit of uh, something there. I'm just... you good? Yeah, I think so. You good now. Okay. Also, move your phone away if your phone's anywhere near your mic. 
No, my phone's on the opposite side. Okay. Here. All right. Okay. Yeah, well, yeah. I've done all the troubleshooting I can. Yes, uh, yeah, we're good. <laughs> so it's probably honestly it's probably the computer because this computer is on its legs. I'm pretty sure. So um, maybe I'll try it from my laptop next week. We'll see how yeah. that goes. So, but yeah. uh, anyway, no, I have nothing super positive to say about the Wonder Woman story. It just kind of felt like filler yeah. to me. Uh, alternatively, the next story is a Green Arrow and Black Canary story, which I felt like was directly kind of winking at deceased a little bit here. Mm-hmm. Where they're sitting, they're in, they're in Themyscira, and Dinah's like, oh, you know, I have one regret. I, you know, I never had an oath. You know, every time those green lanterns, you know, say their oath, I get kind of jealous. And I just had this big smirk in my face because I'm like, yeah. oh, uh, Gail Simone's been reading Deceased and enjoying it <laughs> because she's, yeah. she's into well, this. And, and if you know about her and her little fun rivalry with Tom Taylor, then mm-hmm. that was definitely a wink and a nod, you know, to, yeah. to him. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, I did not like the art in this one. I know I agree. I was not a fan of the art. Uh, sometimes, like on the second page, like uh, Dinah's like face, her smile is like so wide, it's unnerving. <laughs> yeah, it's very manga esque, and if that's your mm. thing, cool. It's not mine. Um, and just like some of the, like, on the next page over from that one, Ollie kind of looks like a Ken doll in that top mm. corner. Sure. Like he's just kind of expressionless but a smile and just you know um, but the story i really enjoyed just them trying to enjoy their last night and yeah because uh ollie's regret is that he never really got a proper date with diana they, they right. just kind of had this affair immediately and he tries to take her to the beach they get attacked by uh joker megs not just joker sharks joker megs joker makes right uh, it's, it's just a fun little joke and he has this thing where he tries to give her an oath, <laughs> basically. And he gets down on one knee as he does it. And she says afterwards, you know, if, you know, the person I love is going to ask me to marry me. I, I, you know, I want them to do it when things are happy and they still want right. to marry me. And not because I'm the last like bit of hope for happiness in a, in a hopeless world. And the, the gut-wrenching reveal at the very end, of course, is that he did have a ring on him and he was maybe going was... to actually do it. Yeah. Um, which is actually really in the context of the whole issue it's neat that it teases a wedding here because there is obviously something that comes up later right. uh, but where the, the, the story actually goes here is that a character shows up uh, now admittedly I hate the name Laurel because of the TV show uh, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's made me hate it but, but but it is Dinah's mom's name DC <clears throat> that's true, no, that is true. it, it so. does come from the comics as well it's just that that yeah. TV show has tainted it it's, it's, I'm not saying that I, I get it but see yeah. to me just you know having a Laurel Queen, I mean, yeah. or Laurel Lance Queen. So this character shows up that that calls herself Black Arrow, and she's from an Earth that got destroyed. Yeah, she's she's their kid from a different Earth. Earth. Uh, yeah. And when when Oliver says that she has canary eyes, you your mother's eyes, she kind of snickers because we find out that on her Earth they were they were flipped. Uh, right. Dinah was a Green Arrow, and he was the Black Canary. Uh, so we get like a fun, pa- you know, panel of them yeah. in alternate costumes. Uh, but yeah, yeah, they, they sort of like accept this kind of like, oh, we're kind of parents, and we're we're right. going to be here for this this kid who lost her, ver- you know, her version of us. Um, so that's kind of, kind of nice. Uh, and she sort of recites the oath that Oliver just gave her, uh, which is, "I am the wall, I am the shield, and I do not run. I see the evil coming towards you, and I do not run. I stand between you and the darkness, and I do not run." So that, that's that's the Black Canary yeah. Oath, apparently. Yeah. Uh, which I'm sure Taylor will not use in future no. deceased. <laughs> it's like, no, it's a Green Lantern Oath, damn it. Although I will say that if we get to the next issue of deceased and her 
thing is, I will not run. Then it, mm. you know, then we'll know. It depends if they've been in cahoots because I feel like because uh-huh. she became a Green Lantern in the first disease, so that's been long enough where mm-hmm. Gail Simone yeah. just having read that as a fan will have time right. to have put this in. Right. But you know, there's only like two issues of DC left, or one issue even. Mm-hmm. So I don't think he's got time. But I mean, who knows? Maybe the. Oh no! Hits. I just mean maybe, maybe he he knew. Oh sure, yeah, okay. You know, so this was in the workings for a little bit. It had to have been. So. Yeah, this was a uh, uh, Megan Hetrick was on the art here. Yeah. So just for just for uh, so so we know who we're insulting. Uh, very similar to the Wonder Woman story, I thought the next story with Aquaman was again just felt like a chore and filler to me. Yeah, I did not like. I I like the art. Uh, oh, the art, the, the art's pretty, yeah. The, just, I get the point of it. And at this point, I've we've gotten Arthur as the ruminating dad a lot. Oh, yeah. And, the, 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 the point of this story is that he's saying that his his child and his wife is more important to him than everything else, which you could have made the, that point in one page. It takes, like, ten. <laughs> to, and it's just him and, swimming through the ocean with narration talking about the shadows and the coming of war and blah, blah, blah. And I like the whole metaphor about the, the blue whale that she lived and she, you know, she she kept her family line going and she gave, you know, the ocean took her back and then, you know, through her bones, she was able to give back to the ocean. I'll, no, I I'll, like all of I'll, that. I will give you that that is a coherent thought on that page, but I will say that it takes seven pages to get to that. And that's what I was going to say. I like that in an issue of Aquaman, not in a story that's meant to be like, the last, you know, Aquaman story, if you will, right? Yeah, like, I, I just, this is one of these ones where I felt like this was more of like the writer trying to do a poem and yeah. the narration, and it just kind of Definitely. doesn't really have much of a story. Uh, this was Christopher Sebula who wrote this with art by Christopher Mooneyham, and Mooneyham's art is pretty nice. Yes. Uh, it looks quite good. Unfortunately, I just, that's felt like a shorty read, because it, it kind of became clear after a few pages that there wasn't going to be much to this. It was just going to be him swimming about thinking. And yeah. wa- you know, waxing lyrically <laughs> about things, uh, and that can come off a bit. I don't want to say pretentious, but it, it definitely felt a little bit that way here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we kind of see me bouncing back and forth, and in true form, we're back to another good one here, which is the the Bat mm-hmm. Family uh, story, um, where Batman wants to talk to the team, and he's talking to Barbara to begin with, and he asks her to go assemble the the boys, as he puts it. Mm-hmm. I was expecting Carl Urban and Huey and, and all that <laughs> so, show up. <laughs> I will say that I do appreciate this version of Bruce going to Barbara as she's kind of the second. Like, we always get, you know, Grayson mm-hmm. as the second. But I do like the idea that it is Babs. Like, go, go, because, and not just because she might be older, but she is different, right? She's She is the, the first bat lady if you will. Yeah, I mean, so, I, I always kind of like the idea of both of them being the, the, the two elder kids. like you know, the, Yeah. But, like, to me, she's the more responsible one, so he's the one that he's gonna... She's the mm. one that he's gonna task with doing the important things. Oh, I'm not gonna argue with her being more responsible than Dick. Yeah, uh, right? Typical so, I just, I like that <laughs> dynamic here, and she kind of pushes because she's, yeah. you know, it's the end of the world, and she's worried about her stuff. You yeah. know, her... Her... her what would she say? Her, um... Her implant that helps her walk. Yes. You know? So, yeah, there's an I impl- liked all that. There's an implication here that that might be failing and she could end up back in the wheelchair. I, I, I would suspect that that might not be something that actually sticks once we reset everything, but we'll see. Right. I mean, because Batman, Batman is putting her in the position of being more of Oracle regardless of the wheelchair, right. so 
Uh, I'll be interested to see if they feel the need to actually, like, impair her in some way, uh, physically. You know, even if it's not full on, she has to be in a wheelchair. Maybe it'll just be a case of, oh, you can't really do flips and kicks anymore. You, right. you know, you're 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 kind of grounded to more normal human behavior. Mm -hmm. Uh, but we'll see, we'll but, see. But I just like that layer too on top of it that she's, you know, the end of the world's coming, but also the end of her world. As, as she, you know what I mean? Her, she's worried about the end of Batgirl. Um, so in this moment, so she goes to get Tim, who's playing cards with some of the villains, uh, uh, as you do. Jason's flirting with an arms dealer. Uh, was an armorer, I would say. Yeah. Well, she has guns too. She hasn't shown him the guns mm -hmm. yet. So I mean, so there was definitely yeah. arms. Uh, Dex learned to cook, and you know they kind of fly a little bit. Where he says, yeah. "Can I make you a snack?" And she's like, "I thought you were the snack." Yeah. And so that comes from her. But then he tries to like, okay, I kind of want to have a moment with you. If we, we, might, we might die tomorrow, I want to have like a bit of one on one about us. And she gets kind of pissed. She doesn't really want to burden herself with like caring about someone like that right before this this battle, right before this you know fight to the death. And she doesn't want any emotional bombs, as she as she mm -hmm. puts it. Uh, Batman has a, has his meeting with them. Uh, tells them to essentially shape up, you know, leave things behind, and uh, you know, get prepared. Gives him a bit of a pep talk. Uh, honestly, it's probably the, the most far the pep talk he's given in quite some time. Yeah. So, but you know, they're left alone, and Dick and Babs. He tries to you know, kind of push this, and he wants to talk about them. And Batman pops up and says, "Look." You have to skip to the end and resolve this 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 dispute that you're having right now because we don't have time for it. You're just gonna have to get to the point. And Dick just turns to her and says, "Marry me, Barbara." <laughs> Which it's it's one of those things where, in the context of the story, it doesn't necessarily feel like it's built up to, but in the context of the history of the characters, it feels like a really kind of fist pumping, like, "Yeah, finally, <laughs> some progress." I I immediately thought of you when I read this. Yeah, so. and. And I, I, but I actually really liked her response where she says, wait, you think that's where we end? Don't you? Well, yeah, I guess I do. It's like, they both agree that they kind of see themselves getting married someday, you know, maybe when they're a bit older and they're, you know, and they're both mm -hmm. in their 30s or whatever. I don't know what age they're supposed to be right now. I yeah. just, but, um, and Batman just sort of hand waves and says, okay, but the power invested in me by no one, you're married, done, right? right? And they kind of agree, okay, we're not really married, but we, we, you know, we'll be married for tonight. And for one night, we'll be a married couple. And then, you know, he even promises to win her back. You know, once this is all over, I'm going to win you back, and it's going to be real at some point. I love how she's like, if we live through this, this is an old. Yeah. You know, I like, yeah, I, I just, I like that. Until I win you back. I was actually surprised to find this was written by Cecil Castellucci to a point, because mm -hmm. I liked it so much. Admittedly, I do think Batman's narration that's playing throughout the, the story is probably the weakest part. And that it's does... stilted. Yeah, that does remind me of uh, Cecil Castellucci's writing on the Batgirl book, so... I, I think also... I, the early characterization of Dick, I thought was a little bit weird, just because it's just I don't know he seems very flippant, and like I don't know there's not a suaveness to him, but maybe you just chalk that up to it's the end of the world. He's talking to the girl that he's got eyes for. I don't I don't know. Yeah, but, uh, but Mika yeah. and Dolfo was the artist on this mm -hmm. one. Uh, I was pretty it, decent. I yeah, not solid. Her her character's kind of standing around and talking like it looks. Looks really good, yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. But no, I mean, it was uh, it was it was nice. Uh, so I I, mean, I don't know. It was it was a fist pumping moment. It was it's like something if you're if you're a fan of the Dick Babs relationship, mm -hmm. uh, and you're sort of rooting for the hit, it's in some way. 
um you know um and dick said you know refers to her you know from the moment i met you i knew you were my other half you know it's kind of sweet uh kind of throwing cory under the bus a little bit but (laughs) i mean there's gonna be those people that like dick fire there's other people that love you know yeah no one wants their dick to be on fire so right away it's a bad idea (laughs) i just i love when they bring up their relationship To, to me it's like in the 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 you what was it the dcu book the you version where mm-hmm. she goes off to key west he comes to visit and like they're just mature people she's like i'll always have feelings for you but we've kind of grown past them mm-hmm. um and it was just I, that's how i like their relationship um yeah and we break the trend here because you know we've been sort of like good story bad story good story bad story mm-hmm. so that was a good one so i was expecting a bad one next but luckily it was the mark wade superman story so feels so good right trend broken and it's one of these things so he's got the long hair because uh, oh and this is you new know, his metal hair from the from the metal story right and, and his and his dark side hand and because he because john's came back uh from the future you know in, in a time sphere or whatever he's got a part of it he's made a little time travel device because he's trying to like fix all these things on this night before doomsday and uh, no 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 for, for, forgive, the, for, forgive the use of the word doomsday i don't mean doomsday <laughs> uh, just doomsday in the general sense um so he he, you know, he goes back in time once just for this one hour to try and save a few more people and solve a few more problems and he does it a third time and he just keeps doing it he keeps doing it and it's this story of him just trying to you know farm in certain places build a bridge here uh save some people there and eventually we get almost a Superman the movie shot, but it's like tons of Supermen, like all going around the planet. Mm-hmm. Uh, notably, there's just the, the faintest S forming yeah. in the in the surface of the Earth, or or whatever the planet technically is just now in Mel. Um, and it's just talking about the, the people need hope, they need to believe, and the idea that Superman for once could be everywhere and do everything for an hour and give everyone some hope. And it, of course, ends with him going back to Lois and, and John. It's really interesting to see... I mean, there's not much, obviously. He doesn't even have a line of dialogue. But it's interesting to hear Wade write Superman talking about his son. Because that's something we've never yeah. seen before. Because, you know, Wade, right. the last time he wrote Superman, it was long before John Kent existed. Right. It was, you know, birthright, right? Like... Uh, and Francis Manipal's an art in this as well. should mention that. Yeah. Um, But yeah, no, that's just, like... There's a confidence and understanding of what Superman means. Like, I think Mark Wade has always understood how important Superman should feel and the mm-hmm. ideals of what Superman should f- represent to the planet. So, that's just felt like a... Yeah, Wade still got it. Like, he still knows mm-hmm. how to write Superman. Definitely. Uh, there are parts that made me super emotional um, throughout this because I get to see Superman doing Superman things. And in 2020, I think that's way more, like... It's mm-hmm. a little bit harder. And just like the the shot of him showing up in like this battle crusted metropolis and Jimmy's just hugging him and Perry's shaking his hand like that, that single image or, you know, Kara hugging him and the next panel yeah. over a guy's going to jump and he goes to, you know, help him off the ledge. Just there's these little things that we don't see Superman do very much and i'm glad that wade took the time in a story like this whereas i said like the the aquaman story like that would have been fine for an issue this is i think the best use of superman in a story like this because it's quick there's not a lot of dialogue right it's his actions not his words for once and yeah yeah 
it's uh it's very moving it's very moving it's, it's hard not to be in love with wade being back on superman in some form and Hopefully this door, this forbidden door being opened to Mark Wade means that so at some point we yeah. can get some more Mark Wade on DC books, Superman mm-hmm. or otherwise. Uh, I'll take I'll take just about anything. So then we come back. We come back to the conclusion of, of Together and everyone's kind of like standing and like waiting for this face off with, with Donna and Wally and she just hugs him mm-hmm. and not says she understands, don't have to say anything. Uh, you're always one of us, that kind of thing. Um, and she gives an inspirational speech about how Titans are always together. Uh, th- they do acknowledge, and this is again the continuity, Babs is there with Dick, like, he's brought mm-hmm. her back, and Cyborg's like, rubbing his hair, saying, you know, the old dog, you, and Starfire says, I'm happy for both of you. Starfire approves of yeah. the wedding. Yeah. Um, I-, I do love uh, Mar- <laughs> coming into Miss Martian's story remember mm-hmm. when robin accidentally yelled titans tacos i need the rest of that story <laughs> like i do i mean that definitely feels like it comes from like a cartoon story yeah so i'm wondering if it does um but and, yeah and, and, was... then of, and of course uh batman with his black latin ring raises roy from the dead and roy appears and he still you know, wear that stupid ass hat. I know he he's up to the others, and he, you know Wally feels awkward about going over to him, and it's all just told in the art. And Roy just sort of like tips his hat to him to sort of yeah. let him know that it's okay. Uh, right, and that's basically it. So they write together on the sand, and we get this great final page of all, you know all the generations of Titans. And I, I think what makes this work, and why I think they have chosen the Titans here as the wraparound for this mm-hmm. story, is that. The Titans, not only because they represent just about every corner of DC, because you have Bat characters, Flash characters, mm-hmm. Super characters, whatever. Uh, I think because DC is so much about legacy, and what us long-time DC fans all love about DC is the idea of legacy, is having not just the legacy of all these legacy characters who come from Batman, Superman, Green Lantern, whatever. It's that Titans themselves now have their own legacy of different Titans generations. So you have mm-hmm. this legacy with an... It's, it's legacy, it's like exception. <laughs> yeah no it is and they are it's like this web of you're not really a legacy character until you've spent time in the titans you know mm. so you know john's not here right but damien kind of is so you know just just that kind of thing like yeah. yeah sure john might be the future and he's the future superman and future state but he really wasn't a titan he's not like well, he's not yet. Grayson. Yeah, at least not yet. He could be down the line or whatever. Uh, I I should should point out, you said kind of here. I I get what you meant by that, but just to clarify, he's not actually literally here in this group because he quit before. Right. Yeah. But he was part of the Titans. Yes. uh, You know. Before someone corrects in the comments, I'm just No, no, no. no, I got you. I got you. Uh, But they do mention him not being here. They do. You know. Yeah. So so they did put it up. So, yeah. Um. But yeah, even even Kyle Rayner, who was like one of the famous throughout the '90s, early 2000s, legacy characters, you know, because he took over for Hal after you know uh, what was that? What was that story? Uh, anyways, it was it Emerald Knights? I can't remember. Emerald Dawn. But it, Emerald Dawn. There you go. Emerald mm-hmm. Dawn. When he takes over for him and stuff, and you know, it was always his thing was where do I fit in the legacy? So it's cool that he's here with the Titans on this this last page, you know. Yeah, but yeah. No, I thoroughly enjoyed this Titan story. It's a long time. I mean, 
Titans were one of my gateways into comics. That was one of the first comics I started picking up. Um, it was that and, and Superman Batman back in 2004. So just the fact that we get this issue, you know, because this was probably an actual issue's worth of story in this Titans, uh, if I had to count. Uh, um, I mean, probably. I don't know if it would work on its own as a story. It'd probably feel like nothing happens without the context of some of the stories that take well, place in yeah, between. Yeah, yeah. I'm just, I'm yeah. just saying, like it, it, it makes the majority of this, yeah, uh, story. And then yeah. I just, I, I like what that means and and having hope because uh, well, these even characters just, are the future. As much as I didn't really like the Wonder Woman story, having an alternate Donna in there, plus obviously yeah. a lot of Dick focus in the the Bat Family stuff, it does <laughs> mean that the Titans' influence kind of sprinkles into the other ones as yeah. well. Uh, even if it's not everything, so, um, yeah, I mean, so I didn't like the Aquaman story, I didn't like the Wonder Woman story, but the rest of them all vary from good to mm-hmm. great, if not fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, the, some of them are just touching as long-time DC fans, some of them are just excellent on their own. Uh, I mean, the best one, just on a pure craft and working as a standalone thing level, is probably the Superman story. Yeah. Um... But moment of the book might be the marry me. <laughs> the, the, yeah, just, I figured you'd say that. Uh, you know, it's just this. It's just, you know, this is what it is. Well, uh, yeah. uh, there you go. That's the that's the, the last stories of the DC universe. Matt, what are you giving the book? I'm, and this is probably my Titans bias showing, but I'm going to give this an eight. I'm going to excuse the two stories that I didn't enjoy that much, but mm-hmm. the Wonder Woman story had fantastic art in that one, and so did the. So did the Aquaman story. And then some of the stories I didn't enjoy that much, you know, uh, at least they had the art. And then the ones that I did enjoy, you know, or, you know, especially the Travis Moore art, I think is really strong through the Titan story. I think the point but, you yeah. were trying to make there, but you, you were you're kind of dancing around it, is that some of the stuff you, some of the yeah. stories you liked didn't have the best art, but some of the ones you didn't like yeah. had good art. There you go. That's what you're trying to say. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm... I'll go eight point five. I yeah, there's a couple of stories I didn't like in it, but the vast majority of it and the 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 weight of the stuff that I did like was big enough and hit enough that mm-hmm. uh, I'm very happy I read this. I and I, I wasn't mad that it was eighty pages. I was like, no, you know what? Like sixty of those pages were well worth reading. And at that at that, at that point, I'm at like you know what, seventy five, eighty percent of the whole thing. So it's like, yeah, go on, go on. All right. Yep. Yep. So, The Flash, 767. This is, of course, Endless Winter Part 2. Andy Lanning and Ron Mars writing with Clayton Henry and Marco Santucci on the art. Uh, Santucci, of course, doing the flashback at the start. He's going to carry forward into the next issue we talk about as well, because that also has a similar flashback. And we can talk about these one by one, I think, because they are very separate in terms of like what they're doing. They are. And I, and I appreciate that, because there is an overall... There's an overall story to be told with The Frost King... Mm-hmm. But we're getting each character's, you know. So in the Flash story, we get a very Flash focused, <clears throat> and in Superman, it's very Superman focused. But they both feel like they're in the same event. Yeah, right? it's like, also nice that this one kind of is teasing the Black Adam stuff because we know he's getting a special mm-hmm. later. So it's kind of nice yep. that that's kind of been teed up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we start off with the flashback, uh, and the flashback in this is less to do with the or because there's a flashback in the next one, which we're going to talk about, is about the origin of the the, the Frost King himself. This is more about the the Viking uh, era Avengers right. uh, that we've got here. Avengers, Justice. League. Oh, sorry, Justice League. It's, it's Freudian slip. That's because yeah. that's because of uh, Justin Aaron's thing. Yes, I know. Yes, I uh, know. Uh, but yeah, it's basically Black Adam waiting in like a tavern for Hippolyta uh, and the 
They call it a Viking prince and Viking prince. I, I never remember what the Viking prince name is. Yeah, <laughs> it's just kind of the... Viking prince. Uh, but Black Adam uh, is picking a fight with Viking Prince. The Swamp Thing at the time shows up and says, you know, we don't have time for this. You know, stop this. Cease this immediately. Because uh, the Frost King pops up. And it's basically just like showing them having to sort of work together in their kind of uneasy alliance. You know, Black Adam mm-hmm. doesn't really like working with them. There's some tension there. Yeah. yeah. He's definitely his anti-hero self. He's ordering more alcohol from the tavern. Of course. And just kind of making a show of himself. He's very Thor-esque from from early Thor stories. Mm. Um, but I, I do like that it's Swamp Thing that shows up to kind of talk the sense into him. Uh, because that, that plays up later. Because as, as we get to the future, he's really the only one that's familiar with what's going on. Yeah. Uh, and he's very withholding of it. So obviously the story mm-hmm. does revolve around the Flash. Because a part of me was wondering if it was going to just mm-hmm. be an endless winter chapter. and. Right not actually, you know, address the idea that it is a Flash issue. But no, it does actually all come from the Flash's perspective. As he's running around the world doing various things, as the Justice League are, you know, all in different places fighting off these Frost, mm-hmm. like, monsters that are appearing that the, the Frost King can create out of nowhere. And he's basically told to go and essentially chat to Black Adam, because Black Adam went to the UN and mm-hmm. made an announcement that Kandak is open for refugees who feel they've been failed by the Justice League and failed by the West, and he, he will <laughs> take a, people it in. It is a Black Adam move. Oh, it's absolutely. Yeah. I love but it. Nobly, he does not mention that he knows who this guy is, or, you know, no. that he has any information on, on this, you know, crisis that's happening. Mm-hmm. Again, uh, forgive the word, use of the word crisis. <laughs> not a crisis crisis, just a crisis. Uh, so Flash goes to see see him in Kanda, gets attacked by some frost uh, monsters. I, I keep wanting to say frost giants, but they're not frost giants. So I'm, no. I'm being very specific. Yeah, we'll call them ice giants. Ice giants. There you go. Uh, uh, Black Adam ends up saving his ass along with his team, including Silver Banshee and Catman and uh, well, Multiplex. All those. Yeah, it's a it's a team of villains. Uh, but yeah, they're all working together to to save the Flash. Which is Wait, really cool. I, I, th- I thought Catman shouldn't be on the team of villains. No, not that team of villains. Him, okay. him with Black Adam and Silver Banshee, I get. <laughs> All right, but with the rest of them, come on, man. I'm just saying, you guys respect you, for Thomas Blake. You got some support on a uh, Twitter for, for 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 calling and out. That's that, that's how I know the real ones that read Secret Six because if you have a lot of people <laughs> about Batman, probably read Gale's Secret Six. Yeah, so. I get the feeling here that in this conversation Barry has with Black Adam. Because uh, at the end of the, the scene, Black Adam's like, oh, there was some very useful information uh, in that conversation. I get the feeling that Barry's kind of put his foot in it by like, revealing too much of what's going on to Black Adam. I just... Uh, here's my one issue with Endless Winter so far, is that um, uh, Lanning and Mars are writing Barry a lot like Wally. Sure. That's been kind of a problem ever since the New 52. Ever since Barry came back, there's a lot of writers who write Barry like Wally. I mean, when when they have a handle on Barry, it, it works real well. But most of the time, it almost feels like a Wally West impersonation. That said, it's not bad. I just, I feel like I'm reading Wally in these moments where he's kind of I, I think the... stammering and giving away a little bit too much. Or think... even in the last, in the, the Endless Winter Part 1, where he's asking people about their work-life balance? That's a very Wally West question. I think the problem is that Wally was the Flash for so long that 
that just became the characteristics of the Flash. So you've got a lot of writers who know that version of Flash. They've been asked to write Barry. They're just writing right. Barry like Wally because that's the Flash they know, right. and that's just you know, unfortunately. Right. Uh, um, yeah. There's a cool bit here though, because uh, Wally, uh, sorry. Barry <laughs> is yeah, complaining yeah, yeah. throughout the issue that his speed force is kind of like uh, weakening uh, because yeah. the, the the snow and the ice and there's a lot of talk in this issue of hypothermia and how quickly everyone's going to die and so on and so on. Uh, but he says he's a recharge. He's running low. Uh, the lightning's getting weaker. And Black Adam's like, "Oh, lightning!" You say, <laughs> and he just looks. He just strikes him with lightning. He's like, "Oh, I got a recharge. Thanks." Yeah. And and for those that doubt about that, don't forget that part of the Shazam thing is speed from, you know, whatever God, and I forget who it is for black Adam. Mercury. Yeah. But for, for Shazam, for Captain Marvel, Billy, whatever version we're calling him. Yeah. It is the speed of Mercury. Um, so, so I, yeah, I was like, no, you, you can make a, an exception. Oh, yeah. It's a cool moment. I'll take it. Yeah. Uh, like it. But w- Barry does reveal that stag industries released the frost King from the Arctic mm-hmm. circle. Mm-hmm. Um, and it feels like at the end of the scene, Black Adam's like, oh, because he's like, ah, oh, you know, yeah, you may call on, we may call on you for help in this situation because goddamn, it's, you know, things are getting rough. Right. Uh, but at the end, he smiles very sinisterly and says, oh, I'm certain you will. Thank, f- thank you for a most useful conversation. So uh, I'm liking the teasing of the uh, of the Black Adam stuff because uh, it feels like, okay, they're, they're planting this for later uh, for his special. And that's yep. kind of neat. Uh the only thing I don't like about this issue, honestly, is that it kind of ends very abruptly. Uh, Barry goes back to the city. Iris is fending off uh, an ice giant with a with the heat wave gun, um, which I did like. I like that Iris is resourceful enough to go to the Flash. Oh yeah, oh yeah, and grab one of heat waves guns. I was like, okay, that's cool. But yeah, no, and it just kind of ends. It, yeah, <laughs> it's like they they kiss, yeah. and it's like and he's like, okay, yeah, I'm going to go off to, yeah. to help Justice League. Okay, continues in Superman Endless Winter special. Okay. Yeah. maybe they get away with that because they know they're out in the same day and we'd, we'd just go to the next one but yeah, it's kind of weird <laughs> it is no it definitely is but no i mean other than that it was a really solid issue and i'm impressed with how cohesive it is because mm-hmm. and i get it they're just writing these like their chapters in endless winter and they're slotting in you know so like the next one is going to be an aquaman right so i'm sure that'll be aquaman's perspective of yeah. endless winter but it'll still move the story push the story forward yeah which is, is kind of refreshing with like metal where metal, we have the one <clears throat> spine and then all these superf- superfluous, I had to say that slow kind of tie-ins that some land, some don't here thus far. It all lands. To be so, fair with metal, I think most of them have, I think there's only been a couple that have been, been weak. I guess. I don't know. I'm just kind of at my, I, I don't I, say with there but i i i think there's both valid ways of doing things it's nice that yeah. if we're going to have both of these running simultaneously i like that this is doing it completely differently yeah. uh yeah. And that's sake. my point because when it comes to these type of events it's very copy paste you know when, when it comes to different things like especially you know marvel does the same kind of thing with endless tie-ins and then a spine book so it's nice that this is different, that there is yeah. still room for both. I will, I will say that I am happy that the Barry and Iris chemistry here felt right, because one of the yeah. complaints of the fill-in arc was that Barry yeah. and Iris' dialogue and relationship felt really weird, and li- like it was from a different... It felt like they were, they'd were been dating for like three weeks the way they were talking to each other. Uh, it was very odd. Felt like that. So I'm, I'm glad that this is... Uh, this, this, this feels normal again. I will say, I wasn't in love with the main art in this. Uh... No, this this not quite my style. I guess I, there's something about 
uh, Henry's like heads and the way his characters smile. I don't always that's, love. And that's very Clayton Henry when he's in action. It always looks good, but when they're still, because that was my problem when he did the weekly with Gail Simone, mm. was like Flash in action, great. Flash standing there, kind of weird. Um, so no, I, I get that. He also the long heads in Batman Superman is always <laughs> a little bit weird. So, but. At least he's consistent with it, I will say. You know, oh, yeah, like, definitely. It makes it part of his style. It's definitely consistent because I've had the exact same problem with everything I've seen him do. So, uh, I mean, I'll admit, I'd forgot. It's just the sort of thing where I don't necessarily remember who everyone is immediately, but as soon as I saw the heads, I'm like, oh, it's this guy. <laughs> That's just yep. who Henry is. Uh, all right, what are you giving Flash 767? So I'm going to give this one an A... Yeah, I'm gonna give this one an eight as well. Like I did, uh, sure. just because I thought, like again, cohesive story going forward. The art didn't bother me as much as it, it bothered you, um, and it was just it's it's a fun read. I'm looking forward to endless winter every week. Yeah, I'm going to give this a solid seven. I think it's a fine second chapter. I like what it's teasing story wise. Didn't love the art though, and the ending's a bit abrupt and weird. But yeah. uh, I, I enjoy the world building, the, the the building of like this is going on. You know, everywhere's covered in the snow because that's what happened at the end of the the first issue is that you know the world you know got this this endless winter. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I'm, I'm digging it. I'm digging the building. Yep. Superman Endless Winter Special Issue One. Andy Lanning on Mars again writing. Phil Hester is the main artist, but with Marco Santucci back again as the flashback artist early on. Uh, it's nice that there's a consistency there for the flashback stuff, actually. So it yeah. kind of ties it together nicely. Uh, so, yeah, so obviously it's Superman's perspective. But to start with the flashback, though, since that's what we're, uh, yeah. we're dealing with here. And we, and we get the origin of the Frost King here. Yeah, um, so he was in Greenland, in the Arctic Circle, obviously, and he was with uh, a, a clan, a town, and he was a father, and... Yeah, his son was attacked by a polar bear, and mm-hmm. basically he discovered in in this long winter, which they you know they had like uh, was it the fim the fimble winter they called it fimble yeah fimble winter, which is like a it's in Norse mythology, it's the time right before mm. Ragnarok. Yeah, it's like a three year winter. Uh, they yeah. say, which I should know that because in God of War the video game they talk Ooh. about they talk about a winter that lasts three summers. Uh, before Ragnarok, and the second game is God of War Ragnarok, which is yes. coming next year, presumably. So, oh, oh, so that means Kratos is going to be taking on the gods, then, huh? He's the well, mate. I'll, I'll just say, I'll give you a spoiler warning yeah. for the first God of War yeah. game here, everyone. I, yeah. want, I want to tease Matt. The post credits yeah. scene has mm-hmm. Thor in it. Yeah. Well, I, I did read through the story because my brother could not help mm. himself by telling me stuff, and so I know Loki's involved, and it's very different from, yes. from typical uh you know so i was like well thor's got to show up at some point and i know enough of god of war to know he fights gods so you know um anyway so yeah, yeah um, so, so this guy is uh edwald Offelson, uh edwald, yeah. who who discovers he has ace powers and freezes this polar bear in this attack mm-hmm. the town at first loves him and realizes oh he he can defend us from all these things that mm-hmm. happen he can defend us from wolves but the winter doesn't end, and eventually they turn on him and think he's a freak. They think that he's to blame for this winter, and they come after him. They try to burn his house down. He fights back, and in all this chaos, one of his his children, one of his sons, mm-hmm. is shot with an arrow and dies. And we kind of end on a cliffhanger of him seemingly about to go uh, icy supernova, if you will, yeah. uh, and that's where where the uh, the end. So. 
It feels like, yeah, this is his big villain turn point where he's going to go full Frost King and mm-hmm. never come back. So, but again, it just keeps I, it teasing. Yeah, I, I love the, the Viking designs here because you can tell, like, from our first look at the Frost King, you know, uh, you could tell this is him, mm-hmm. right? So I do like that he eventually goes with a much more scary look, you know, as as he goes and... How I mean, how does it say how long before the Justice League gets involved? Tenth century, so this is around the same time. Sure. So whatever he does after this is what leads to the flashback we saw in the last issue, or even the first issue where they have to go get, you know, Black Adam. Yeah, the, the, the VGL. The, yes. Sorry, the VGL. Viking Justice League. The VGL, yes. Or Justice League Viking, really JLV. JLV. That's easy to say. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, for some reason, a J in the middle of an acronym is really hard to say without saying a G instead. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But yeah. And then we get to the Phil Hester art, which I personally love. Uh, No, it's pretty good. It's it's, it's got a a distinct style to it. Uh, Obviously, it's very different from the previous, but it's it's very, it's just, it's very inky cartoon, I would describe it. But it, 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 I mean, it reminds me of the animated series stuff with Batman and Superman. Sure. Sure. The Uh, early morning. Maybe that's why I love it so much, but. Even his monsters look great because they look different. Yeah, we go to uh, uh, Metropolis and Wonder Woman's like leading Jimmy and some survivors from the planet. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though it's like you know the, the the cold could kill them, but they have to try and get somewhere safer. Yep. And it, the there's like a, an article by Lois that kind of forms the narration of the of the story, which uh, mm-hmm. it gives it a very distinct uh, you know voice for this issue. And obviously, yep. it focuses on Superman once we get him because he shows up and saves them. Uh, but I think what I'm impressed with the writing of this 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 story because it is the same pair writing the whole thing mm-hmm. is that this did feel like oh we shifted to a Superman issue and it feels like a Superman issue, yeah. So yep, definitely. And so like again, like I said in the Flash one, uh, although this one I think does it a little bit more effectively because mm-hmm. I think they have a better handle on Superman than they do on Barry. But like yeah, we get the flashback at the beginning that fills in the endless winter story, and then we have how superman's handling the endless winter so yeah which um, boils down to essentially two sequences here where he's worried about lois and lois says no we've got, we've got it fine i'm independent i'm going to help mm-hmm. everyone here you go and you know do what's important and just you know mm-hmm. you coming back is all that matters so and there's like yeah. you know there's a two-page layer of superman saving people on ships and uh you know fighting ice monsters and whatever and then, leading the gorillas in gorilla city a variety of things and then he comes back yep. to the kent farm and sees his parents uh crypto kills one of the ace monsters mm-hmm. and you know he essentially has a similar thing and they, they, they point this out in the dialogue where essentially man pa kent say the same thing as lois no look we, we can handle this ourselves although pa kent's worried about the heating bill <laughs> as he would be yeah uh, but no as long as you come back that's all that's important this is your job and that you that s in your chest okay it's the, the biggest burdens on you but you know we all share it everyone who knows you and is part of your life shares it a little bit uh and he's mm-hmm. like oh yeah thanks for reminding me of that and he has some cookies and it, it's it's a very traditional superman goes to his parents for some moral support uh well and i just thought that they're like son you gotta focus on the people that can't help themselves <laughs> yes and let the people that can't help themselves do what they need to do lois is tough we're tough I love how I think it's mock Kent's like, this is not the first Kansas winner we've ever dealt with. Yeah. You know, but I do like that he's, he is preoccupied and it's honestly, it's just nice to see Superman interacting with the Kents. 
Yeah. After not having it for so long. In between this and the Mark Wade story, there's a couple of really yeah. good little Superman uh, beats yeah. this week. Uh, but this this issue does have a couple of pages at the end. It kind of again, it's like a, a an epilogue mm-hmm. to it where it is yep. teasing some of the other stuff, which is going back to the the stag son, you know, the evil stag mm-hmm. son who is the one who raised all this, and he's yep. making his employees work even though they're <laughs> in, a, in an ice age because <laughs> he's a prick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. In in Gotham, I also like that shot of the the bat signal just constantly on because it's endless winter. Yeah, you know, yeah. of course, things um, are bad. Uh, but the cliffhire here, the tease, and so unlike the Flash issue, this does actually have a cliffhire. So and again, maybe this is designed because they knew they were coming out in the same week. So this is the right. this, this is the second one. So this is the one that has to like have the cliffhire for next week. Mm-hmm. Uh, but and the, the the big chunk of ice they've got from where the fortress was is there's three life forms trapped in the ice that are alive. Uh, they've got heat signatures. So it's yep. like, who are these ice for? I mean, my guess would be this Viking Justice League or some of them anyway. But I mean, I don't know for oh, sure. Oh no, it's it's the family there's there's three left oh you think it's the mother or the daughter I, and the son I think it's the mother yeah, yeah yeah i think the reason why i was thinking some of the viking justice league is just because of the the sizes of them but you may be right i mean i mean who else could it be i mean uh, viking prince is a human true right um yeah Hippolyta yeah Hippolyta and black is, adam are accounted for so yeah it would, it yeah. would just be the swamp thing as yeah you're right there's not enough of them yeah so i'm just you know not to shoot your the theory down i just I immediately thought, you know, well, there's three family members left. We saw one tragically die. Yeah, it could be. Yeah, it could be the family. So, if it's not, that could just be the swerve, and who knows? Yeah, it's either is. the family or it's something new that's going to introduce yeah. a whole new element to this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, mm. but yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's a lot of fun. I, I like events that are fun too. And this yeah. one so far is fun. And, and you know, and this this stag uh, son, he his whole thing is that he just wants to like use the Kryptonian tech embedding the crystals to mm-hmm. take over the world. Is it's very uh, old school Lex Luthor in a lot of ways. It is. It is. He wants he wants to uh, yeah. reshape the world. He wants to you know new beach beachfront property. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Lextopia. Yeah, yeah. So no, I think this. I I enjoyed this more than the Flash issue, but. Uh, that's not to downplay that one because I, I think that was yeah. also had a lot of good qualities. But this one is a really nice, like, sort of slice of life Superman moment. Uh, everything with him and Lois and then with the, the Kens, like, all of it feels like it's just a really in character. It was mm-hmm. like a sweet sort of. Uh, t- now, I, I mean, you could debate. You could debate that the only really important parts of this issue to drive the story forward is the flashback and then the two pages at the end. And I think there's some truth in that. There's you. You could have condensed that Flash issue and the Superman issue into one just endless winter issue too, if you really mm-hmm. wanted to. Um, but I think you know, given that we're getting these so quickly, there is something nice about these like perspectives that we're getting to sort of sell the world yeah. and the, the like how devastating it is to the world that this is going on. Because what the Flash and Superman perspectives give us is the just how dire it is for the population and just the fact that everyone is dealing with this this winter and Lois is mm-hmm. out there in her gloves and her hat and she's trying to like escort survivors through the snow. It's given us the you know the the impact on everyone. So So yeah, no, I, I think it is valid, even yeah. though you could in theory cut that out and just condense this down to less issues if you wanted to. But No, I, I think... but I but I do like I do like that, especially in the Superman issue, because of course he's gonna try to go and help as many people as he can. And to get a double dose of that in the the metal tie-in, mm-hmm. you know, the Mark Wade story, and then here, and it just again, of course that's what Superman would do in these big moments. Yeah, it's constant. Um, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh so um 
And I like the art more on this issue for sure, as as we mentioned. Yes. Uh, I, I think it's yeah, really pretty. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, maybe a name I'll have to try and remember because I, I did quite mm-hmm. uh, appreciate this. I just I think it's just uh, especially I think suited for Superman in a lot of ways. I think the just slightly cartoony proportions, but not too cartoony, just a little bit. It's just right. a little bit cartoony. Very very square jawed. Yeah. You know. Um. Yeah. Yeah, and I think especially whenever Ethan's in shadow, it looks really good because it's just those those deep inky blacks. And for example, one of the pages where he's fighting an ice monster. And he's like got shadow covering half of his body, but the yellow of the S is still coming through, and the red eyes—it just it looks really pretty. Mm-hmm. Uh, really simple stuff. So, in a good way, I mean. So, yes. uh, not overly complex. Not a bunch of stretchy lines. Very clean. Very neat. Uh, dig it. All right, what are you giving? Kind of, oh, I was gonna say that's the type of art I expect in Superman. Right, is the yeah. clean, you know, scratchy kind of give to the street level Batmany stuff. But uh, I'm gonna give this an eight point five. Uh, I'm probably gonna go with the solid eight. I think, but like our solid chapter, I'm I'm into the, the 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 romp that it is building the backstory of the villain, uh, the the stuff with the stag of moving forward, and then just the, the good Superman vibes, good art, uh, solid eight out of ten. I think for me, Wonder Woman seven six eight, Mariko Tamaki writing with Rafa Sandoval on the art. So now we know that this run's coming to an end, and we've only got a couple mm-hmm. more issues left. Um, it's kind of an interesting perspective, knowing that how short this run is actually going. It's essentially just been one long arc. Uh, ultimately, I think by the time it's done, it's maybe going to be like somewhere in the eight to ten issue range. I think all in. Yeah, yeah, and I don't say it's messy, but it just feels like the inclusion of of Lord. I don't know. It felt like a speed bump, almost. And well, that really, the end game is liar liar. And there's a lot of cool turns for liar liar here that I wasn't expecting. Yeah, I I think motif. I think liar um, liar in this issue finally kind of clicked, and I got mm-hmm. why what 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 the what the concept and what the potential of the character was because yeah, all of a sudden this idea that you know either intentionally or accidentally it, it sounds intentional that she killed her mother by making her drive into a, a truck when she was in the back of the car and she herself got injured as a kid. Uh, never knew who her father was at the time. Uh, but Maxwell Lord was secretly paying for her, you know, medical care. But the medical care being kind of like to keep her in control and keep her locked up and keep her away from the world. The idea being that, oh wait, if Maxwell Lord thinks she's dangerous and should be kept held captive somewhere, then right. shit, she must be dangerous because he's Maxwell Lord. But mm-hmm. the the thing it introduces here is the idea that she is schizophrenic and hears essentially messages from her bunny who talks to her and tells her to do things. And mm-hmm. she gets this delusion over the course of the issue that she is a knight and that she is going to slay the, the queen, which is Wonder Woman. So we get this ongoing thing as she's like using her mind control to essentially convince people of what she's also believing and to let her mm-hmm. out of her cell, to you know let her go wherever... Because I think one of the things that I really liked is that when we get to eventually see her show up somewhere, she she isn't actually wearing this knight of this suit of armor that we see her in that she sees. She's she's just wearing like right. a big, you know, loose fitting sweater and some whatever. But she sees this, and one of the great things is when she goes to Wonder Woman's apartment, and we get all, we get the little flashback of her going to the apartment, is that you know we see her in these like frumpy clothes talking to the the landlord or whoever it is. 
But then when we see it from her perspective, she's in this suit of armor, and he's like this like gargoyle, like holding the like a set of keys. And uh-huh. I was like, oh, I'm actually really liking this. I'm liking this idea of like this is how like messed up her mind. It's not just that she can, can control minds. It's that her mind itself is actually unstable and she's seeing things that aren't there. And that's kind of what makes mm-hmm. her very dangerous. But in a really sympathetic way where you don't just want Wonder Woman to beat her, you want her to help her. And I think yeah, that's I... actually a really good tactic to take with a character list. Because Maxwell Lord is so heinous and so villainous that you don't want you don't want him to be helped. You don't want him to be defeated. Yep. But liar, yep. liar, all of a sudden I'm like, no, I actually want to show it's... her sympathy. Yeah, it's a typical uh, Wonder Woman villain. That I feel like mm-hmm. Wonder Woman being the the symbol of compassion in the DCU, of course, tries to help her villains. And when it's someone like Max Lord, it's like that only goes so far. But with Liar Liar, you know, you're like, oh, no, it's a lot like it reminded me of Silver Swan a little bit. Um, that it's this person that's that's not really in control of themselves. And so Diana has to deal with that. Yeah, I think in, that's in the part. In addition to surviving, I think that's the part that's so intriguing here. It's someone who's not really in control of themselves, but they can control anyone. That that right. is a really like scary thought and right. idea. And I think you know maybe someone who like knows more about these conditions would maybe critique this. And I'm not because, but at least from my perspective, the idea of taking something as schizophrenia and mixing it with a character who has telepathy and like telekinesis. Well, not telekinesis, mm-hmm. but telepathy. Uh, that is like such an interesting combination and seeing what that, that becomes of that character and the idea that she's put herself on this almost like Dungeons and Dragons mythical quest to take down this evil, you know, Wonder Woman. Because, uh, you know, the final page, the cliffhanger is like her version of what Wonder Woman looks like. We see this big, scary Wonder Woman. Um, that is a really interesting idea. And I think for the first time, I, I mean, I've enjoyed the story up until now, but this was the, the first time where I've really got excited about Liar Liar and really been into like w- w- what she is. Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously, there's a, bu- a speed bump along the way where Deathstroke shows up uh, to get to Eta. Not because he's specifically targeting her, but because it basically had a job where if anyone ever accessed the medical records of mm-hmm. of Liar Liar, that he would show up and kill whoever saw them. And right. Wonder Woman is able to talk him down based on the subject of, like, you know, children being mistreated by their fathers because Deathstroke can relate to that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and has some, you know, some deep-seated problems there. Uh... But yeah, I I really dug this issue. I I, I yeah. and I I think this added a lot to what's been here so far. And it's I I won't quite say it's lived up to what Tamaki's run I, I, in my head could have been. Probably just because it's about to end. So like I mean, even if like every issue now is as good as this till the end, mm-hmm. it's still only the last three or four issues out of you know all of it. But right. I think this added a lot of interesting concepts and depth to Liar Liar for me, where she's not just another villain anymore I, I like this quite a bit right so i was also getting alice in wonderland vibes because oh, sure, the white yeah. rabbit right yeah. she's following the white rabbit down into a hole and, and whatnot and so just that aspect of it too that this is a world of her own making and she's through the looking glass now yeah like i really thought that was a real nice subtle put in there by by tamaki yeah, um, when they uh, realize she's gone, they lure her in by letting her know that her father's not dead, that she didn't succeed. He's right. still in hospital uh, alive. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, it lures her into the hospital. And again, when she sees the hospital, because I, I, I love this page, is, you know, Wonder Woman's waiting in the, the hospital. And my only critique of the art there, actually, is that for some mm-hmm. reason, I don't feel that Wonder Woman's small enough in this panel to not have the face details in some way. She's just got a completely mm-hmm. blank face, and that looked a bit odd to me. But... Mm-hmm. 
what I love about this panel is you see like liar liar standing in front of the hospital and it's just you know her and her hoodie and it's just the hospital but then her yep. version of it the bottom which is you know it's not a box it's more of a, a you know fantasy style like portal looking panel and she's in a suit of armor the the rabbit's floating beside her and it's a castle she's going to a castle to take on wonder woman um mm-hmm. I, I i dug this i i quite i i, I rather dug yeah. this uh yeah I, and this is—I think this is the best issue of this this run uh, so far. Yeah, I'd, I'd have to agree. It's Tamaki. This is where it finally I think she's hit their stride or hit her stride with this character. It's starting to pull together, and of course, you have the little dips in with uh, with uh, Deathstroke, and it's like, okay, that's yeah. fine. I mean, I, I can deal I, with Diana versus Deathstroke. It's, I like... it's fine, but it's it's not the coolest thing, which. You wouldn't think based off the cover. Yeah. You know? I mean, I, I like some of the Max Lord Lord stuff. I just thought it was weird how quickly it ended. Like, I, I thought they were yeah. really setting up like a, a, a long term partnership that was going to eventually mm-hmm. lead to betrayal, but it, you know, it wrapped up so quickly. Um, yeah. But this issue, I finally really got an excitement and sort of got, okay, this is what Tamaki's going for. And I, I really like the, mm-hmm. the this depth of I to Liar Liar here and this, this concept of her like just living in her own fantasy world and not seeing things as they are is super interesting and again makes her kind of sympathetic because she's not in complete control um and it's always nice to see wonder woman tackle villains like that there's a reason why a lot of her villains yeah. are i mean she has some villains that are just outright villainous and that you know that mm-hmm. being uh max like, lord Do- dr psycho is yeah. another one like that uh, dr psycho is one that i never want to see a sympathetic version of oh, especially course. after watching the harley quinn show like <laughs> they they, they kind of touch on it where he's almost like a they're constantly kicking him while he's down, but then he has these moments where, like, oh no, yeah, he's vile. Mm. And so, yeah, Doctor Psycho's one. Like, I can deal with Kale in Silver Swan, and even Cersei. I'm trying to think of some of the other ones that come up, but there are certain ones that need to be just yeah. You know. Where's Cheetah, Silver mm-hmm. Swan, uh, No Liar Liar? These are the villains that do have the sympathetic side where you don't want yeah. to just see them get destroyed you want to see them be rehabilitated and it's heartbreaking mm-hmm. when they can't be she is obviously the right. most famous example and the one that you know has some of the best stories but right. it's definitely something that and, pops up and if you want a really nice origin of cheetah go to wonder oh, woman here we go issue eight which is one of my favorite issues of all time yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um uh, but I will, I will say as much as we're saying it compares to these characters i think that the take on this character is unique you know that's tying it to mental illness mm-hmm. in this way i do think is very interesting and yeah. And different to those characters, so mm-hmm. uh, I like and it that. doesn't take it lightly either because yeah, Diana instantly gets it right that she's like, I have to save her, I don't have to defeat her, I have to save her. Yeah, and I and I like that because I I like the idea of one woman is this this symbol of truth, and what is the truth to someone that has the mental issues that liar liar has, right? Like, so how's that going to play out now? Yeah. It's just, it's very interesting. I like that. Uh, yeah, I was super into this. I, I, I'm i am very impressed with this issue. And, you know, it's coming a little bit late in the run now that we know it's ending, but mm-hmm. uh, I, I think it does retroactively make some of the Lyle Air stuff a bit more interesting. So uh, I'm happy to have, I'm happy with the, I'm happy with the improvements. I'm happy with the issue overall. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, are you, what are you giving uh, the issue? I'm going to give this an 8.5. Yeah, I'm going to agree. I'm going to agree with the 8.5. And, um, 
yeah, it's not a thing where if it keeps this up, like, you know, I, I could definitely see this back little run of issues before it ends being up to about the standard of maybe the X-23 book. Because, you know, Tamaki's a fantastic yeah. writer, and I, I just wonder if, if you know, maybe the, the run length or maybe the way, like, she had to tie into things that were going on before maybe hindered the start of it. And obviously, because it's not that long a run, there wasn't enough time to get out of it. I, I'm not really sure. Uh, but... Or maybe, or maybe it was just a case of, oh, she had a, a weaker start this time, and that's fine. You know, writers are allowed to do that, mm-hmm. but uh, there you go. So that's a 8 out of 10 from... Or yeah, 8.5, sorry, uh, for me. So mm-hmm. there we go. Batman Black and White, issue one, is the last book we're going to look at today. This is the Black Label book, uh, and this is kind of a, 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 you know, a comeback. I never read the original Black and White, but it was a, a series back in the 2000s uh, with Black and White art. Uh, short stories by various creators and uh, they brought it back here as a Black Label book. It kind of seems fitting in a lot of ways to do it under that. Um, so, obviously we'll mention the different creators as we go here. Um, you you go ahead because I didn't read this one. Yeah, I read this one. Okay, oh, that's fair. Yeah. Um, yeah, 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 fair. I, I'm very conflicted on it, honestly. Yeah. Um, it's kind of a weird thing. I, I feel like black and white are... I'm not against it. Like I think some black and white stories are really good. It's... It's one of the weird things, though, when I talk about movies, and we talk about movies being in black mm-hmm. and white, and I hate when people say, oh, I won't watch a black and white movie. One of the things that movies do, though, when the difference between like a movie in color and a movie in black and white, is that movies that were shot in black and white were lit differently. The, the, the art of lighting a movie in black and white when you're shooting in mm-hmm. black and white is different from lighting a movie in color. Uh, and part yeah. of the reasons for that is because in black and white, black and red can look the same. So... You don't right. want, so if you have a character in a black suit, you don't want them standing against a red background because then they'll just it's kind of blend. Bl- blend into it. Yeah, so yeah. there's a lot of ways to light it, to separate them and things like that. And the reason why I'm bringing this up, the reason why I'm, I'm talking about this this art of lighting differences between black and white and color movies is because I think the same kind of goes with, with comic art in the sense that color is one of the big differentiators that lets the art kind of pop in different ways and really clears up what certain things are doing and so many artists are, are drawing knowing that they're going to be colored mm-hmm. i think black and white art if you don't draw it in the right way where it's drawn with the understanding from the start that it's going to be black and white and it, it uses all of the other techniques that the art can use to make things pop and be clear I think sometimes you end up with what looks more like just a mess of lines and you have to really focus in and look for the what, what it's actually doing because it doesn't just like, you know, when I when I look at most comic book art, as, as long as it's good art, I, I instantly see that Batman's doing a thing, for example. Like, oh, he's, oh, I can see that in this panel he's kicking someone in the face and mm-hmm. I'll see a lot of other details and it'll all process in my brain really quickly because I can just see it. But there are some stories in this where, especially the first one, uh, which is the uh, the Demon's Fist by James Tynion the Fourth, art by Trad Moore. Uh, th- this art here, there is definitely some pages where it just looks like a mess of lines, and I really had to stop and kind of like look for what the image was doing and saying, and it felt like it was taking me longer to actually just understand what I was looking at in a way that was a little bit frustrating at times. The actual concept mm-hmm. of the story was quite good, though, I, I will say. Uh, it was basically about uh, one of Raz's henchmen. And it was the idea, it was all his narration, and it was the idea that he doesn't have a name, he doesn't have a rank, he's just there to work as an appendage of Raz al Ghul. And his mm-hmm. goal, his mission, his purpose, is simply to land one hit on Batman. That's his entire purpose. And he refers to him as a detective, just as Raz does. Uh, but he, he he's jumping through. He's, he's, he's there's a big fight happening in this building in Gotham, 
And it's all about him getting to Batman. And he's sparring with Batman, and Batman's blocking him. Um, and then eventually, uh, you know, he does actually land the hit as a full-page spread as he finally lands this hit. And then Batman whips the piss out of him. You know, he, he completely mm-hmm. beat. But as he's lying there uh, in pain, all he talks about is that he, he feels great peace because he fulfilled his purpose. And he feels as, as, as part of large as something whole, and he hopes that one day he'll feel that again to land that one hit. And it's just... It, Essentially, what it is is to get into the psychology of the people that Raz employs and how how right. he's brainwashed them to just feel like their, their one purpose is all they're there for. Uh, as as a story, I just kind of like as a short as a short you know eight page ten page story. I thought it was a really good little uh, unique perspective to take on it. The art I wasn't in love with. I just mm. I, I I felt like it was going a little bit too wacky and dreamlike at times. Um, there's not a lot of shading on a lot of it, which makes it just feel like a lot of lines. Uh, so, yeah, a bit, a bit too wavy in places for, for my taste. So, uh, that was the Demon's Fist. So, is this just the printing version of the digital first, black and white? Because back during the first, like, when comics weren't shipping, they were yeah. going down on digital first. Because this sounds familiar. I don't know. I don't know. I, I never read. I'm, I'm, I just clicked on it to the digital find out. ones. Um, yeah, let me see. Uh, the second story is one of these things you occasionally get in these anthologies where it's just Batman mm-hmm. recounting the history and the importance of being Batman. Uh, mm-hmm. But the narration is told through the perils that dropped <laughs> oh, <laughs> when his great. parents were killed. So, yeah, I kind of rolled my eyes. The art is much better than this one, I thought. But uh, there's a lot of nice shading and, and stuff. Uh, who was who was on this book? Hold on, let me find the credits here. Uh, this was James J H Williams the third. So it's J H Williams the third. Yeah, well, it says he really wrote it and drew it. Yeah, Todd Klein and Andy Curry also credited, so I'm not entirely sure. Oh, how okay. That broke up. But, well, I know Andy Curry was one of the editors that got let go unceremoniously. Oh, there you go. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> so, so yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I will say the the last page is kind of interesting. It's probably the nicest art in the the, the story as well, where Batman's mm-hmm. just leaping off a building and the signals in the background. There's a lot of nice shading here. This is the type of black and white art I really like. I think you need a lot of good shading because uh, it still sells the leather or the gloves. You still get the idea of the textures, uh, which was completely missing in that first story. So I, I couldn't get into that at all. Um, but what's interesting here is that uh, this is a reference to 2020 basically this last page because mm-hmm. batman puts on like a a, a breather like a mask and he jumps mm-hmm. off the building and essentially the there's like a it, so so the, there's been these perils that have been kind of around the the book mm-hmm. but the, as the book goes on they kind of turn into like a, what looks like a virus you know you know they sort of turn into like a little virus cell okay. uh and in the last page, these virus cells sort of form DNA. So him jumping off the roof, I mean, obviously you could just assume, oh, there's a scarecrow attack or there's a joker toxin or whatever. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's, it's so kind of just thrown in there at the end, though, that I, it kind of felt like to me that this was just like a, hey, you know, the virus is in DC as well and Batman's wearing a mask, so wear a mask or something. I don't know. It felt like a, a reference to the real world to me. Um, Yeah. Story-wise, though, it was just, you know, here's, you know, here's a pile of them fighting this villain, here's a lot of piles of them fighting mm-hmm. the Joker. Uh, Art's really nice, but ultimately didn't amount to much. Uh, yeah. So. Uh, the next story was First Flight, which was Paul Dini with Andy Kubert. And 
this is a story where a team of ninja man bats show up in the bat cave uh batman and his narration says ninja man bats always attack in swarms that's the first thing he says about them and i'm like yeah of course they do <laughs> ninja man bats they always attack swarms. now i don't know if this is something that came up before maybe it's referenced in an old story because t- this is a team of ninja man bats that talia has trained and that was from uh morrison's run is it okay yeah so this is actually yeah, coming it was from batman and son that was yeah. the first you know yeah uh so was that from batman and son i don't remember that yeah, that was Batman and the Sun, because I remember Grant Morrison making a big deal about the Ninja Man Bats. I, I do not. Okay, my mind is completely like that, because I read yeah. that. But okay, my mind completely yeah, yeah. forgot that. Uh, basically, this team of Ninja Man Bats to show up were like this original batch that, that, that she created that were unstable, and have essentially mm-hmm. came to Gotham to the Batcave because they're looking for their true home. Uh, so it's basically just Batman fighting these Ninja Man Bats, uh, Alfred stuck in the bat plane uh, hiding. And then Talia eventually shows up and tranks them all uh, mm-hmm. and explains what they are. Uh, and that's basically it. Uh, I like the ending of it, though, because uh, basically they send the Ninja Man Bats to Swamp Thing and Swamp Thing's sort of giving them a home in the swamp. <laughs> and That's nice. And I will say, uh, Kubert's art of Swamp Thing in black and white as he comes out of the water in the last panel is <laughs> absolutely gorgeous. I think some of Kubert's art does suffer not having the colors, I think, but so, there are some yeah. panels that the Swamp Thing one at the end that looks really good in black and white. So, yeah, that's uh, that's cool. Uh, so that's probably the best one so far, I think. Uh, the next story is just one of these ones. It's a, it's a poem, as lots of abstract art is playing out. This was a chore, this, this story. Uh... Something about Batman just, having his wings. I, I don't know. Yeah, I just remember the you saying that the Aquaman one was kind of like a poem. Yeah. And now I know why you said that. Yeah, that's, that's, that, that, prime. This is even more like a poem. I'm just going to read the start of this, okay? This is the first like page. This is the first mm-hmm. half of the first page. The interval. My body hurts. Yeah. My brain struggles driven by nausea. Eager to throw up all those liquid shadows. They rip my insides, pulling them through my mouth to invert time. To merge with me to drink this, there uh, I put them wounded. And it just goes on like that. Is that that uh, Emma Rios wrote and drew this? Uh, not yeah. for me. I'll just I'll just say it's not for me yeah. and leave it there. Uh, and then the final story is called Metamorphosis. This is G Willow Wilson writing with Greg Smallwood on art. Uh, I will say this is my favorite art of the issue. Uh, and might even be my favorite story as well, actually. No, it is. It's definitely my favorite. The, the, the best was definitely saved for last. The panels nice. at the start of this of Batman, like, standing on, like, a fire escape, and the way that the, just the, the, the deep blacks and the shadows are used, it just looks so atmospheric. This this is... Like, when I thought of, like, the potential of a black-and-white Batman story, this is exactly the sort of thing I was looking at. This is an early Batman story where he's trying to get somewhere on time because he's because it doesn't say what the villain is it just says that there's a girl who's like been held kidnapped and is at least one dead person mm-hmm. in this apartment and he comes in the window and it, it looks fairly early days batman the ears look kind of you know it's not a full-on detective 27 ears mm-hmm. but it's kind of close to it it's kinda, close enough yeah uh and you hear you know music playing from downstairs and it's just this you know him quietly walking down and he finds this girl sort of hunched up on a on a couch and the dead body's there, and he goes into the kitchen, and it's actually Killer Croc. And Croc okay. is, you know, it's getting black and white, really gorgeous art here. Uh, and I, I'd never heard of this artist, I don't think, so I was really impressed with how, how great all this looked. Uh, the action looks good as well. 
And earlier on the issue, Batman, or end in the story, I should say, Batman talked about how usually there's like a there's a twist to these these crime scenes that he can't predict. And the twist here is that the, the girl actually hits him with a frying pan when he's trying to fight Croc, and he's like, "Oh, there's the there's the thing that I miscalculated." That's what he calls it. And Croc jumps out, and Batman's like, "You know, why are you helping him?" And she's like, "You don't understand. I've not been kidnapped. He's nice to me. He gave me a place to st- stay and a, a warm meal." And Batman's like, "He left a dead body in the living room." And she kind of shrugs and goes, "Well, no one's perfect." <laughs> it, was, it was kind of like almost a really dark joke. I was like, "Oh, I actually kind of like that." Uh, yeah, but you get outside and he's he's dealt with Croc and it's raining in the black and white. It looks really nice, and Croc's got a big you know muzzle on now and uh like she she she's been put in a police car and she's saying you know no don't like don't don't take him away you don't understand and Batman's like like I let the police deal with you now to you know if you're an accessory after the fact blah blah and Croc just yells at Batman because uh, Batman says she's not your concern anymore because Croc's basically trying to stick up for her he's like saying hey don't you know don't arrest her like she's she's not guilty of anything you know don't, don't you know, hurt Melanie and Croc just responds to him you know to you know her, her not being his concern and he's like my concern you get to take off that curl at the end of the day and be a man what do I get how what do I get and it seems like Croc was genuinely taking care of this this girl uh, mm. and she yells out, you know, I want you to know it's not the it's not the man I liked, it was the beast. And you know, Batman just he's up on the rooftops in the pouring rain. Um and he says he gets it he gets the first part right, I do take off the kill, but he's wrong about the second part. He's wrong about what's underneath. Uh I mean it's not like groundbreaking Batman story stuff here, but the atmosphere is really good and the, the twist yeah. of Croc caring about someone and Batman not quite understanding the the idea that there's a surprise underneath to Croc, but Batman doesn't have that surprise underneath because he is just Batman right. through and through. Uh, I think right. it's a neat little story. It's a neat little short, and honestly, it's the only one out of this whole book that I would say is worth reading. Uh, gotcha. The Ninja Batman one's kind of fun, but like honestly, mm-hmm. I wasn't super enthralled with this as a collection of stories. I really like this last one, but the rest of them I wasn't super into. Uh, to the point where I'm probably not going to read any more of them. That said, though, it is anthologies, so the next one might be full of bangers, for all I know. Like, right. uh, it's possible. Right. Uh, it'll probably come down to how busy is that week. If it's a quiet enough week, I might read the next one. If not, then I'll probably let this go by the wayside, just because, yeah, out of the five stories in this book, I really liked one, and I flat out kind of hated, like, two or three of them. So, <laughs> you know. Yeah, well... I'm over the pearls, period. Oh, yeah, and I was Jay rolling Choi my eyes. might be a talented storyteller, but, like, yeah, I just see that and I was like, I can't. I just, I, 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 some of them, sometimes they just don't feel like they have a story. They're just kind of, like, waxing in a poem about who Batman is, and that's all it is with some art. And sometimes that might work out if the art's just that good or whatever, but here that wasn't the case for me. Uh, so, no, I... I the last story by Wilson, uh, who I do like as a writer, so it makes sense that I ended mm-hmm. up liking her story. Uh, and art, again, by Greg Smallwood. Actually, is that one word? I think it is one word. It's, it's, it's written vertically, so it was hard to see. It's just Greg Smallwood. Gotcha. I, I was I was emphasizing a pause, but it's just Smallwood. Uh, <laughs> gotcha. Uh, but there you go. I, I mean, overall, honestly, I have to give this like a five because I, I, I outright hated like three of the stories. The, the good one at the end does, you know, keep it afloat to a point where I'm not going to give it a negative score. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I will straight down the middle, but uh, I, I, I can't really recommend it all that much, but I did really like the last one. So nice. uh, there you go. That's Batman Black and White issue one. 
so that'll take us out of the part of the show where we pick our favourite stuff of the week, favourite panel slash moment, favourite art, favourite cover, and uh, top five books. And given that I read five books and you read four, we'll just be ranking all the books we read. Uh, so we'll start off with panel slash moment, Matt. What you got? Um, so I, I, it's going to be tough, but it's going to be from the Titans. Uh, I should call the Titans story. I was calling it all week, but the, the last stories of the DC universe, it's just, there's so many in there. I don't know what to pick. Um, so let me, let me go back through. You know what though? I, it's going to be that splash page as much. as I want to pick something with Superman seeing all the versions of the Titans on there with all of the characters spread out over the, you know, over the pages, you know, it just, it looks great. So that's what I'm going to go with. Sure. Sure. Um, I, there's a couple of really great Superman moments, but it's very hard to top the proposal. It's very hard to top Barbara mm-hmm. and Dick having that moment. Uh, and I think I kind of like that they acknowledge, yeah, this isn't sticking for now, but like Dick basically saying, yeah, but I'm going to come back and I'm going to keep trying. Uh, mm-hmm. so, you know, uh, I'm all, I'm all about it. So that's my pick. Uh, what is your cover of the week? And before you jump in here, I'm just going to say yes. right away, it's the Gary Frank one from, uh, last stories of the DC universe. Yeah. Which stupid me forgot to pick up and oh. I picked up the Tula Lote, which, um, yeah, so now I'm going to have to wait for them to put out a print of it and just buy that and hang it on my wall. But yeah, I was very disappointed in myself because this is not a book I'm going to buy twice Yeah, with the with, with the price of it. So. Yeah, I will, I will say though, Batman Black and White does have some phenomenal covers. Uh, yeah. There is some really good stuff in there. There's a really demonic looking Batman one that looks absolutely stunning. Uh, I highly recommend checking those covers out. There's, there's, and there's a lot of them. There's like nine covers, I think, for that book. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, but it is an artist, you know, show showpiece. So I guess it makes sense. Yeah. There's a lot of covers. Um, yeah. All right, cool. Uh, although, shout out to the uh, the Superman special variant as well. That's also quite nice. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the Wonder Woman has a Middleton variant that looks pretty good. Mm. I checked out. Oh yeah. Uh, so so cool. Uh, so best uh, art of the week. This this one's tough because you got to take the whole book into consideration, right? Mm-hmm. Right. So that that takes out Travis Moore from uh, from Last Stories. So it, it's going to be the Superman Endless Winter special, as you, you got the Santucci stuff at the beginning that I really enjoyed, and then the Hester art is just my wheelhouse. Yeah, that's fair. Um, my pick. This is really tough because the best art I saw this week was probably that last story in Batman Black and White, but I can't really give it to that right. book because I didn't really like right. a lot of the other art in it. Uh, I thought Sandoval's art in Wonder Woman was pretty solid. Uh, I thought Tester was good in Superman. Uh, and I think Santucci and the flashback stuff was also solid. So, uh, And like you say, Death Metal is a bit up and down between the artists. So I, mm-hmm. I guess I'm going to go with Superman Endless Winter Special Issue 1 as well. Your, mat, your mate's going, by the way, Matt. Uh, I almost said your mate's going. <laughs> Same thing, right? Your mate's going, Mike. Your name's yeah, Mike yeah. now. Oh, fun. Just like, <laughs> just like in, in school where teachers would call me Mike instead of Matt. Oh, really? Actually, slip, yeah. enough, I, I looked up, there was a thing online, you could probably still find it if you look for it, mm-hmm. but it was basically, like, 
what my name would be if I was born in America based on how popular Peter was in the UK versus okay. what you know the, what, what that matches up with. Yeah. And it was Mike. I, I, if I was born in the yeah. US, my name would have been Mike, apparently. Yeah, me me and my wife both have the names because she's an Ashley that in the 80s and in the US, mm-hmm. they were both so really, really popular. So growing up in, in elementary school, we were always one of like three or four in the yeah. class. Uh, that so. was like that was like Kevin in my uh, yeah. uh my school. There was a lot of Kevins. Gotcha. A lot of Kevins. Um yeah. But yeah, so what were we talking about? Best start? We did that. All right, top books. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, you're ranking your books, Matt. Right. So number one is the uh, Endless Winter, Superman Endless Winter Special. Mm-hmm. Two is Wonder Woman. Three is Dark Knight's Death Metal. And four is Flash. Uh, is that seven, six, seven? Yeah, okay. My number one is... I'm going to give it to Wonder Woman. I'm going to give it Ooh, to Wonder Woman 768. And uh, number two is Last Stories of the DC Universe. Number three is Superman Endless Winter Special. Four is The Flash, 767. Uh, and then last place is Batman Black and White, unfortunately. But I did really like that last story. Let that be known. So there mm-hmm. you go. Uh, nice and simple. So what is coming next week, you may ask, kind dear listeners at home? A lot. Or in your car or in whatever. Uh, so coming next week, we have Batman 105. Uh, should be interesting mm-hmm. to see how that, that, that goes. Uh, we get Nightwing 77. We have Justice League 58, which is chapter 5 of Endless World. So yes. that's, not, that's not the next chapter, but it is next no. week. Uh, we have Dark Knight's Death Metal issue 6. We have Aquaman 66, which is Endless Winter chapter 4. We have mm-hmm. Superman 28. And I'm looking forward to talking to you about that, because you've, you've not been here for the last couple of Superman issues. So I'm actually kind of curious to talk about to you about both Superman and action when they pop up. Uh, yeah, a lot, a lot of hot takes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, some things I love, some things I don't love. Although yeah, the art's great, and Superman, not action. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like, I'm looking at the Superman cover. Sure, sure. Great. I was going to say, Matt, yeah. hold, hold, hold on a minute. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. We got Catwoman twenty eight uh, coming out next week. We got Rorschach issue three, Batman's mm-hmm. Grave issue twelve, Tales from the Dark Multiverse, Crisis on Infinite Earth issue one, Green Lantern season two issue ten. Teen Titans Endless Winter Special Issue 1, that's Chapter 6 of Endless Winter. Mm-hmm. Uh, Amethyst Issue 6. Uh, as a Scooby-Doo, where are you? Number right. 107, if you care. Uh, yeah. So so the order for Endless Winter next week is uh, Aquaman, Justice League, Teen Titans. Yes. So, uh, so as a busy week next week, uh, I am excited to... Obviously, we're, n- neither of us are going to be reading the Tales from the Dark Multiverse book. There's no chance in hell. As uh, much as I want to, because it is Crisis, it's the original. I'm, I don't yeah. have time. Not with... Not with Endless Winter, and I know I'm going to sound like a hypocrite because I am going to yeah. get those, but I'm I'm all the way into Endless Winter, so this will be one of the few times that I'm I'm breaking my well, yeah, know, but Endless Winter six is, seven yeah yeah, but that's literally that's the part, only reason why that's literally parts four, five, and six, so it's not like a tie into a book. So, right. um, but I'm looking forward to Catwoman because that's been great. I'm looking forward to Rorschach. Uh, looking forward to Endless Winter. I know, and we get the next main chapter of Death Metal. So there's a lot of cool stuff next week. A lot of, a lot of exciting so stuff. I, I only have two extra than than normal. So, so I'm trying to limit to about six. Yeah, yeah. But, you that's know, cool. I can count if I want to break a little rules. I can count Endless Winter all as one. <laughs> that's really how I'm going to read it. Like, this will be one of the few weeks I don't read Death Metal first. So sure, I'll, sure. I'll probably jump straight into Aquaman. I mean, I have um, one, two, three, four, five, six. I've got seven books over. Actually, that's fine. That's a normal amount for me. Uh, mm-hmm. So I have seven books. So, uh, 
yeah and maybe a patreon book i should have probably done one this week but i kind of slept in so i didn't have time to do a patreon book mm. so i'll just have to there squeeze that in later that's it it's a five week month so i can maybe push it there again i'll check how busy the following weeks are before i make that yeah um but yeah so that's cool uh, as for connor's patreon books by the way connor is adamant he'll be back to catch up with the patreon books of this month um at the end of the month or if not the start of next month the only exception to that might be is that uh, one of his patreon books did want him to read action comics this month uh mm-hmm. so if you are that person um there's a chance connor might not be back in time for when we actually do action comics so it's up to you at that point if you want connor to read it himself later and talk about it again when we are not talking about it because we've already done it or if you would rather change because it's going to be in a different week um we don't know for sure yet so maybe have a backup pick uh depending if you don't if you know if you know if him reading it later is not necessarily what you wanted you wanted to read it with us so we could sit and all enjoy the misery of uh john ramita jr art together (laughs) i'm so ready for it to be over i know i know i i hate it's such a shame as well because i really like see when they revealed that uh what's her face was from earth 3 i was like oh this is such a good idea but they are i the Ben of Superman run is kind of, I feel like it's run its course. Like, I was really excited for it, but I just feel like it's spinning its wheels, and I don't know why, because it doesn't seem like there's a reason for it. Like, Yeah, we, we can get into this next week. because we. No, I know, yeah. and I just, I'm very just disappointed. The last, I will say the last issue of Superman I did enjoy. Um, the oh, last one was good. It was, it was what happened, yeah. Still don't like that character. No, uh, but I, just, the way Superman tackled the, 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 yeah. the, 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 the fight, as it were, was yep. very superman I, so that was very good it was and i, and I like that so it just feels like he only has energy for one book at a time and they have to swap yeah <laughs> you know so yes uh, that's a shame yeah. that's a shame uh but yeah so uh more on that next week then when we talk about superman mm-hmm. uh but there you go that is uh that is the books uh i will take this time to thank our patreon producers for all the month so thank you to tyler hess cindy palacios david short board now al treisman christopher christopher moy Brett Williams and David Brown. They are Patreon producers, which means they are patrons at $20 or more at patreon.com slash mailfuzztv. Uh, you can support us, though, for as little as $1 per month and get some goodies for that. You can, obviously, at the $5 tier, get early access to the podcast by one day. Uh, get it whenever it's ready on the Saturday as opposed to wait until the Sunday. Uh, so go and have a look and see if you're interested in that. Uh, it is worth mentioning, though, you can also do simple things that like the podcast on YouTube. Uh, liking's a big deal there. Uh, rating the five stars and giving us a review on itunes or wherever you get your podcast from also helps us out a lot helps us find new audience members and helps the podcast grow so all of that is super important stuff uh so please do any of that that you can uh, and we will be mostly appreciative of it uh not connor because he's awful and ginger but yeah. uh, me and matt will be very appreciative uh yeah. so that is that uh, get us on twitter uh, at dc comics podcast uh but otherwise that is uh about us um and I mentioned the TV news earlier, but yes, there's mm-hmm. a, an hour and 40 minute TV news that I did on my own uh, that I recorded last night. It will be up, uh, by the time this goes live, it'll be up last night. Mm. So uh, go check that out since I had to do it myself for so goddamn long. Um, unless you're going to get mad, mad at me for being really cynical about Star Wars and Disney. <laughs> in which case, maybe not. I mean, I understand where you're coming from, but as long as you don't cross the line to tell people they're stupid for wanting and liking these things, I think I think you're good. Yeah, I don't you think I, I don't think I said it along those lines. No, I think I think you're good. Just you know, it, it's like uh, I like to point out, you don't have to watch it all. Like I'm definitely not watching all of the Marvel stuff because I don't. I'm not gonna have time. But you know, 
Yeah. Yeah. It probably helps so. with all six episode things as opposed to and they're all one series. Yeah, but are they're they not... are they gonna be like Mandalorian that are varying, you know, run times? Or are they all gonna be fifty two minutes? You know? I, I think I think they're all hour longs, just because. Yeah. Uh, if I remember correctly, I remember when uh, Elizabeth Olsen was talking about one division. She said it was six hours, and she didn't know how many episodes it was. Yeah. She just knew it was six hours. Gotcha. Of, so we know it's six episodes now, so it's going to be six one hour episodes. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, we'll we'll see. I I might have a little bit more time, but not that much more time. So Loki, though, hooey. They are they are going to be weekly though, Matt. You don't have to binge yeah. them. That's, so. that's good. Which I appreciate with I something like it. The Mandalorian because. We get to have conversation about it, and it's uh, not, not with just... me. You don't. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm saying the royal we. Yeah. Uh, about it online, and you know, I have to stay off until I can watch it, which is fine. Um, but it's fun to be part of the weekly conversation versus something that gets dropped at one time. Everybody watches it, and then they don't ever want to talk about it again. You know. So, um, I, I definitely like this a little bit. That was my main problem with the Netflix model for the Marvel shows. Is like. All my friends would stay up and watch all of Daredevil. Mm -hmm. By the time I caught up, nobody wanted to talk about it anymore. So, you know, I'd enjoy it on my own pace. But yeah, uh, weekly. Do you think the queen queen cracks a joke when she's going for a piss and she says, I'm going for a royal wee? (laughs) Yeah, probably. I bet she does. She she seems like a delight because, you know, (laughs) uh, the crown is definitely a documentary, as I've learned from the internet. Uh... Uh, apparently, actually, uh, someone wants Netflix to put a disclaimer yeah. saying this yeah. is fictional yeah. on it. I was like, well, yeah, clearly. It's, oh, man, people. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, so silly. But yeah, so. Anywho, that is the show. That has been Couch the Multiverse episode 231. Uh, so hopefully you've enjoyed it and you've liked our rambles about uh, DC Comics. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, so, yeah, that is, uh, that is it. So. Uh, thank you once again and join us again next week keep reading DC Comics and remember to never get lost in the Speed Force Titans together